I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you have three playoff contending teams in in this conference this year. Play the fight song. Hello, everybody. Welcome in episode three of the Play the Fight Song podcast. We are rolling into the Pac-12 today for a little bit of previews. If you have not listened to our ACC preview, please go back and do that. It'll anytime, whether that's now, this week, next week, right after this episode. Check that out for all your ACC needs. The boys in the podcast have rolled into the Pac-12. We're going to do the SEC Big Ten uh, and Big 12 later, but right now we're ready for the Pac-12, which I think is going to be exciting. We have very interesting teams in a conference that is feels wide open with a lot of talent at the top. So we're going to jump into that. I want to check in with everybody here first. Uh, let's go to Parks first. Parks is sporting a new sweatshirt, a new look, Pac-12 affiliate. What, what, are we, what are we thinking of that? Great design out of Nike this year. They went with like a throwback logo on some cream-colored sweatshirts. If you haven't seen them, go out to your nearest sporting goods store. Hopefully you have a Shields in your area because they had about every option you could find. So rocking the Beavers today. Excited to talk about the Pac-12. I think it's better than we thought it was, or at least our past impression of it. It's it's the conference of quarterbacks is what I realized while researching all the teams. Um, man, oh man, there's a lot of good quarterbacks. So excited for today. Reese, let's go roll into it. Parks gave a little bit of a preview of what we're going to talk about. What are you thinking? Like you mentioned, it's, it, it's a very good conference. Spoiler, but I still I don't see them making much news when it comes to the end of the year with. Hey, hey, what? Well, like let's not get into <laughs> our predictions. Friends. Everything I asked. Spoiler how you're in the intro. But I said yeah, that's like what I, I'm going to get into later. I asked how you're doing, and you decided to tell me what's going to happen. <laughs> at the and end you of the football brought up what Parks you were saying, and I added on. Spoiler alert. Don't listen to the end. Here it is. Reese, are you are you okay? Are you doing well? Is there anything bothering you? Is there something you need to discuss? This is your time. No, man. I'm just excited to be here and talk about football with you guys. Perfect. That's what I wanted the first time. Good job. Too bad. <laughs> Schaefer. Yeah, man. I'm good. Ready to talk some Pac-12. Uh, like you kind of said, or everybody kind of said, it's going to be pretty exciting this year. Um, But like the Big 12, year two. I don't know, top heads, or this is the last year to do it, one final ride. So yep. what a better year to be as talented as this conference is. It's going to be exciting. I'm really interested. I think we went from crapping all over this conference the first three years of us doing this to we're giving it some respect now, and I think you'll see that with all our previews. I do have one question for everybody, though. I'm going to share my screen quick, make sure you can see all this. All right. This is bad Bonus podcast. This is great podcasting right here. Yeah, people love to see this. <laughs> It's just for you oh, guys for reference. Hey, oh, there it is. Boneless wings or bone and wings? I need an answer. Uh, we, we literally talked about this yesterday. Boneless. I could eat both. I'd rather have boneless. I'm serious. Boneless or bone in? Like, what? No, am I out with just, the, 
Am I with the boys watching football or am I on a date? What's the difference? Does it matter? I don't, There's a I don't huge matter. difference. There's a huge difference. Thanks. Thank you, Camden. It, it's bone-in I, wings are wings. Those boneless, those are saucy chicken nuggets, dude. It's bone-in wings all day. Well, you better dunk that bitch, scrape it off good. the bone. That's well, eating I'm just wings. Saying, like, I don't trust myself. I'm going to be messy as hell. So like, I'm See, a messy eater. You're a messy eater, eater anyway. Who gives a shit if you're on a date? You pound wings. What's the best what? one? Uh, the best one. Uh, best you meet, I mean, the it's bone in. Like that's, there we go. that's a real that's a real piece of chicken. Three on. I just needed some majority. Don't reason, worry, don't worry, know? Rick. If you're still listening to this, I'll stick with you. We yeah, like I, just, I still like boneless wings. Boneless wings are good. Bone in. They're just all day chicken long. nuggets with sauce on. Okay, them so that is exactly what you they guys. Are. We just I just ran into it this on delicious. Friday actually. Have you guys ever went to like a, a restaurant and you go, yeah, I'll take the boneless wings and they come out and I mean, they're damn near chicken strips. I mean, they are. Oh yeah, 100%. Like, they're gigantic. Yeah, that's all they are. Like they're not <laughs> unloading a package of boneless wings. They're just chicken tenders in a different shape or chicken nuggets in a different shape. It's like the half size chicken tender, but they're calling it an extra large boneless wing. Listen, yeah, they, there's a reason. There's a reason that Wing Wednesday is a deal on boneless wings. It is because it is an inferior product. They don't run those deals on bone and wings. <laughs> they're delicious. At the end of the day, I just wanted we had chicken, to talk no matter about what, that. No matter what, you're eating chicken. Reese, a little louder. You're eating chicken at the end of the day. That's all that matters. <laughs> not the same. Chicken. That's like chicken. comparing cuts of steak and saying you're just yeah. No, hey Reese, I'll I'll go roast you a chicken and then I'll give you some chicken nuggets from McDonald's. Thank you. Yeah, the yeah. same same thing. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Here's a wagyu steak, and then by the way, you could have you know some chopped up steak, steak from Taco yeah. Bell and your hey, burrito. Chicken, chicken. <laughs> Wild. They're not going to get me down, Rick. I had to get back at Reese for the blasphemy he decided to tell me the other day. Let's revisit 2022 in the Pac-12. This is a year where there was a lot of hype with USC going in, and rightfully so. They had Caleb Williams, they had Lincoln Riley coming in, and a very talented team with Jordan Addison on the outside. Utah wins the Pac-12 over USC. They also beat them in the regular season in Salt Lake City. If you remember, that's an all-time classic football game there. Uh, that was in Salt Lake City. Utah came from quite a few down and then beat USC in the Pac-12 title as well. Caleb Williams did get injured uh, in that game, and so that was kind of why USC fell off in the title game. But you could kind of see um, he's still battling. If it wasn't for him, they would have lost by even more, it felt like. like even if he was hobbling around, um, he was kind of all they had. Uh, USC controlled their own destiny going into that game, though. That's what really was interesting. I feel like this is two or three times in the last four years that you that the Pac-12 has had an opportunity to get into the playoff with one win, and they just can't. They, the team can't win the conference title and ends up with their second loss and out of the picture. So it, it's kind of been one of those conferences where it's done that to itself. It just um, eaten, eaten away at itself. Washington was reborn. Uh, they bring in Kalen DeBoer, and he just goes – ballistic with Michael Penix at quarterback and that team becomes super fun to watch Oregon again makes a splash they step back into the spotlight Oregon State the dark horse wins games beats Oregon in the, uh, the Civil War I don't think they call it the Civil War anymore whatever they call that rivalry out in Oregon anymore um, what did you guys see in 2022 that was interesting you think needs to be refreshed with people what do you guys have on your brains over there I say anybody, Bueller. takers. Bueller. I'm wait, I was waiting for Jacob Bueller. to go. Jacob's got something to go with. I man. think, I think that 
what a lot of people were left in, with thoughts in their head on some certain teams, specifically like those top five teams. I think that's what they can kind of expect rolling into this year. I think it's mm-hmm. the same team. Uh, none of those teams like you talked about, Utah, USC, Oregon, Oregon State, really didn't graduate anybody. They're bringing a lot of their star players and their weapons back. So I think that's what makes this so exciting. Uh, the yeah. Pac-12, USC making the playoff kind of hurt because it would have been nice for the Pac-12 from their side of the view like to get a team in. But, I mean, they were all in fantastic bowl games. I mean, we remember the Utah-Penn State game was great. Cam mm-hmm. Rising went down. That game kind of fell off. But then you had USC-Tulane was great. North Carolina-Oregon was great. Oregon State kind of getting to 10 wins and beating the hell out of an SEC team. So the Pac-12 is running – head into 2023 full steam. So it'll just be interesting to see if they can pull somebody out or if they'll cannibalize each other. Yeah. Parks, 2022, what went through your brain? Uh, It wasn't as impressive because teams, and the Big 12 does this too, they beat up on each other and then they screw their own chances. So that's what I took away from 2022. But I think what's interesting to follow for this year with the Pac-12 teams now is, how it's going to look in the future without USC and UCLA. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be a, a Utah, Oregon, Washington style conference. And these teams are contenders this year for it and they could take over USC now. So a lot of storylines to follow. Good conference. I think it's definitely better than people think, including myself. So yes. Reese, any thoughts on 2022? It's just a soup. Like we look, when you look back on it with teams beating each other, yeah, it's annoying and keeping yourself out of the title contention. But it just makes week to week super exciting for your conference. Like you just don't know if you're going to go it. If you ha- like going to Utah, that's not a, that's one of the toughest places to play in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, even uh, Washington State last year, they played an interesting game. I believe it was with Oregon, and they almost had a chance to win at the end, but then just didn't do what they needed to do, and they ended up losing it. Um, the you mentioned the Civil War game. Uh, Arizona upsets UCLA when UCLA was number nine at the time and had a chance to do some damage uh, and make another uh, another name important for the Pac-12 at the end of the year. It's just week week to week. You don't know. You can't feel confident that you're going to win a game. You just mm-hmm. don't know who's going to come play spoiler. And yeah, I agree. It's going to it's going to be cannibalistic where teams are going to beat each other and it's going to hurt them in the long run. But it just makes week to week so exciting, which is why I think this conference is going to be a whole lot of fun this year. They're there's teams at the top, but there's also those teams in the middle that can just at any time play spoiler if you decide to take a week off. 100%. And then you add into that, um, the divisions were gone last year, so you had your first your first year of the top two teams in the league going. I think that is even crazier this year because a lot of those teams at the top play each other. and they're gonna have to, You're going to have to beat teams at the top to even get into the conference title game. So let's roll right into that. New scheduling dynamic, division dynamic within the Pac-12. Last year was the first year they did not use divisions they did keep their division schedule though because it was already set this year they changed it up a little bit they have a next year in 2024 i think they'll have a different scheduling dynamic where it's a little more set in stone with ucla and usc leaving the conference i think you'll start to see those protected games and whatnot um but for this year it sets up perfectly like you talk about oregon and usc will play washington will play oregon like everybody kind of plays everybody at the top at least uh there are some teams in the middle that maybe miss a couple teams at the top but you know, that's it's interesting. I think it's going to make for a great year. Does it cannibalize itself like we we're talking about? Who knows? Coaching changes. We got three changes within the Pac-12 we need to talk about. Stanford brings in Troy Taylor from Sacramento State. 
this guy took a program out of the FCS level that was bottom tier FCS and has taken them to big sky titles. They have won uh, playoff games at Sac State. It's a really good program, and he decided he's just going to take over that um, job at Stanford after the David Shaw era, which did not end uh, the last couple of years the way a lot of people thought that would be able to be sustained. Arizona State, Kenny Dillingham, uh, Oregon's OC, comes in and takes over Tempe in the Valley. It's it's interesting down there. He's getting a lot of support already. He's already had boosters uh, promise money to him, and they are recruiting better and better. It, it was just a weird thing with Herm there. I really like the guy. It's just it felt like he tried to make it too much like an NFL program, and it's in a city where I promise, like you can't make college kids in that city act like they're in a pro program. It, it just did not work out. I just um, think that the remember. NFL and college football, either or, we got to stop taking dudes off from the desk, like stop taking them off TV yeah. into the coaching jobs. It just doesn't, just doesn't work. They're there you for guys a reason. remember him being fired after they lost to Eastern Michigan. Like it, yeah, they, people said he was fired. I'm pretty sure he was told like, this is when this is happening. This meeting where like he kind of knew it was happening. Right. I watched that video again today. God, is it awkward? He took it like a champ though. Ate it right <laughs> on the chin, but it was awkward. Um, Barks, did you have thoughts on that? Uh, I do not. Um, interesting moves coming up. Okay. Last one. I, I, this is the one you know everybody's talked about. It's been splattered all over um, every social media ever. Deion Sanders takes over Colorado after coming from Jackson State and HBCU at the FCS level where he uh, turned it into a winner pretty much. He put a lot of heart and soul time and money into that program, and it turned out for him. Uh, he's now at Colorado, and he brings um, – bringing his luggage with him, and it's Louie, like he said in the uh, first meeting with everybody. So he basically told everybody to hit the portal. We'll get to them and that massive overhaul. But those are three hires that happened within the Pac-12. I Do you guys have a certain hire that you think is going to really pay off? I I really think Dillingham's a good spot uh, at Arizona State. I think that fits. Uh, he's a young guy. He's only 32 years old, and he's a head coach at the Division One level in a power conference. I think that's a good grab for a program that truly just needs an identity reset and while they're doing so, they can throw Sparky back on the helmet. But anybody have a hire that they're yes, no? What are you thinking? I, I'm a little impressed with the support of Arizona State in their football program, to be honest, throughout all of this. I didn't realize, I don't know, when I think of Pac-12, you know, you think of those half-empty stadiums and everything like that, and you don't associate mm-hmm. very passionate fans with a lot of Pac-12 schools. Um, but there is a lot of support for a team that hasn't been very good the last few years. So I was, I was pretty impressed by that. Somebody's got to like it down there. Yeah. I think it's going to cut up Dillingham in the long run. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it'll cut out for much this year, but I can see them being a very, I don't know, an eight, uh, nine win team in three years down the road. If everything sets up the way it's supposed to. I think he's got connections to the Arizona area and the Tempe area, but I've, kind of think it might be a stepping stone program let's say four years yeah. in a row they go nine and three twice i don't think he stays parks with the conference moves i feel like arizona state could be the biggest pan out here um with you teams like ucla usc moving if you're in getting recruited in that area arizona state becomes much much higher um mm-hmm. appeal there's a lot of good talent in recruit, right yeah, there's exactly. a, it's there hot. and then yeah it's hot it's nice they have great facilities they, I mean, it's it's going to be a top t- like top appeal to recruits once those moves are made. So you that's the one I see on panning out. In Tempe. I, yeah, it's hard to tell a kid no. You know, um, Reese, I want to ask you a question about Stanford specifically. So you bring in Troy Taylor from an FCS level. He's taken over for David Shaw. This program is pretty bare in the cupboard right now. 
if you're a guy coming from an FCS level in a place that's hard to recruit because the academics uh, and different things and factors that Stanford has, are you building culture first with the right people or are you trying to win now? Like you've got to change how Stanford does things. What do you think? Transfer portal, are you recruiting and just slow rise? The culture thing is the biggest thing. I mean, every when you see the coaches as they rise up to the ranks, the biggest thing they talk about, and you see those fired up videos. I watched the old Western Michigan video um, where mm-hmm. PJ Fleck um, given to his guys. It starts there. It's getting guys to buy into your program, and you get the other guys that come on recruits, and you those guys get to talk to their players about what the coach actually instills and what he wants done, and how he runs practices, how lifts go how all the little things are held is going to, how you do the little things is how you do the big things. So I think mm-hmm. culture is the biggest indicator of what, what a person should go, what a player should want to do for their college career. And that's where you want winning. Obviously kids want to do that. They want to win. But if you have a culture that allows you to do the little things um, every single day mm-hmm. and a lot, and then in the long run is going to allow you to win. I think that's the more important thing to do versus just yeah. like, Let's bring in. Let's bring in guys now and try to win. But if they're the wrong, if it's doing it the wrong way, then I I don't understand why you'd want to do that. Yeah, and I could see that being his approach there because I think Stanford's going to be a place where they're going to let him have a little extra time to build something uh, and make sure the culture comes first. So I think that's probably the way he goes. Um, let's roll into top transfers into the Pac-12. I think we liked this segment last time when we did it in the ACC. This gives everybody a refresher. Um, whether you're listening to the podcast or you're reading a preview magazine or even us just to kind of outline transfers. Maybe they stayed in conference just to a different school or they're coming from somewhere else around the country and do the conference. I think there's big names here that need to be mentioned. And I, I think a couple of them truly nobody will remember that it happened or don't realize where this player ended up. So I want to go to Parks first. Give me one or two, man, that you really think either people need to remember or it's going to be a player that's going to be uh, let's just say on ESPN all the time with their name flashing. Yeah. Um, obviously one that sticks out and I'm, I'm going to absolutely butcher his name like every other analyst in the world, but I'm going to say DJ Ulungale going to uh, Oregon state. is going to play a big part for that. I mean, what did you say? Small guitar, ukulele, whatever. What is his name? Quarterback from Clemson going into Oregon state. He's going to play a big part for them. So that's one I had marked down. And I think one that's kind of more under the radar, that's going to play a, big piece in the offense for a team that's usually at the top of this conference and is Carson Steele at UCLA from Ball yep. State 1500 yard rusher so he'll be a big part for that team yeah those are two good ones I think DJU I read today this is something I didn't understand about his recruitment process after transferring from Clemson he cold called that Oregon State staff um, I think he was looking for a fit for himself not waiting to see who came to him and it worked out so he ended up on campus in Corvallis and then Carson Steele is a Mac name that probably if you don't watch Mac action and you're not intertwined and you don't know that name, but the kid ran for like 1500 yards last year at Ball State and he's an absolute truck. So good grab for UCLA after losing Charbonnet. Reese, give me a couple. Uh, I was going to say the Carson Steele one. I like that one a lot, but the other other big one I think is one that's in conference is Dorian Singer leaving Arizona to USC to step mm-hmm. in the shoes of Jordan Addison, who went down during that game at Utah. Uh, which was a big loss for the rest of the USC for the rest of their season. So if you can just k- give Caleb William weapons, he's going to be that much more elusive and that much more of a problem. So yep. he's going to be a big one. He's going to be a name that's going to be on ESPN a lot. You're talking about those. 100%. Um, yep. And then another big one too is just going to be to the school that everybody's talking about um, and Travis Hunter, um, the top uh, recruit from the, 20, from the 2022 class. 
Um, if he can make that adjustment right away and playing in power five, playing against some better better uh, opponents, and if he can make that defense relevant because it was god-awful last season. Oh, my goodness. I'm having some mic. Okay, there you go. I was muting myself and then unmuted myself on accident. Just got I thought he did great. No, Schaefer. Uh, everybody, when it comes to the transfer portal, kind of wants to highlight like big weapons or skilled position guys that transfer from school to school, which is a huge deal. But I do actually want to give kind of some spotlight on the defensive side, especially in this conference, uh, particularly a conference that's just not very good on that side of the ball. And they're trying to make some changes in the portal to make their defensive identity better. Uh, let's go Bear Alexander at USC. Uh, the I think former five-star interior defensive lineman from Georgia. If he pans out the way he's supposed to be, it's going to make night and day difference on the USC defensive side of the ball. Uh, And the second, one more thing that before um, you kind of look at Barry Alexander, you're wondering why he left the program at Georgia. It sounds like it's a little bit mutual. There were some things going on there where him and the coaching staff kind of mutually agreed to part ways. I don't think there's any poor or bad feelings or anything, but it's just an interesting thing. Go with your next one, Shafe. And then I was going to go Jabbar Mohammed uh, from Oklahoma State, transferring to Washington. He's trying to improve mm-hmm. a secondary, uh, and that was a spot in the Washington defense that really struggled last year, giving up a ton of pa- uh, yards through the air. But I do want to highlight one guy as well. Um, I, FIU transfer Gaithan Bernadell coming into Stanford this year. He is Stanford's first ever undergrad transfer coming into the program yeah. ever. That's well, not surprising. It's it's not surprising, but I mean that's a little surprising. It's 2023. Yeah, you know that's. I just seems like a program that doesn't care to have transfers, and I I can't imagine people who are going to school at maybe uh, Arizona State or uh, I, I don't know. Give me some random school. It's not great at academics, right? Like, and then you're like, oh, Stanford. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it maybe like a Notre Dame or a uh, Northwestern. You may have gotten one out of there, but um, there's more relevant programs the last couple of years for people to move into uh, a couple uh, that Texas, I right? About. What Texas bad academic schools. I was racking my brain. Didn't they, weren't they the 2.1 GPA graphic school? Wasn't that Texas? That was like I, 2. It been. I, I know what you're talking yeah, about, like, but it was, <laughs> that's bad. Them dumbs. <laughs> They're back. Um, one I want to outline here, uh, Jordan Birch, South Carolina edge rusher will head to Oregon who needs uh, this on the outside. They were not very great. On um, the defensive line with the ability to get after the passer last year, they bring in a guy who's been an all American. He's been an all conference guy. He's big time recruit number 11 in the transfer portal rankings, player rankings. That is a huge grab for an Oregon team uh, that really, that needs it at this point. Uh, then J Michael's third event. He transfers in from to UCLA from Cal. This is a guy who is very talented uh, and has all the makeup of a NFL receiver. I think one thing to pay attention to is, um, who plays quarterback for him and gets him the football, but he is a playmaker in USA. You UCLA really needed one of them right there. So anybody else have any transfers that hadn't been talked about that one that you want to outline quickly? I, I was going to say like Justin Flo is going to try to highlight the the middle uh, for Arizona at he's a former Oregon linebacker. But the only reason I really say that is just this conference. I don't know if the coaches are super tight to the other players on the other side of the field or what, but the in-conference transfers, uh, with the Pac-12 is just insane. We said that last week, didn't we? With the ACC, I think I think it just might become the new norm. Or somebody like something happened. I, feel like they, they just I didn't notice it as much last week, but 
It just seems like least, every yeah, other. I definitely noticed it last week. I was. Like, I noticed it a lot with. with I mean, obviously with the quarterbacks too, but yeah, there's a lot on stuff. Yeah. Another name I feel like I'd slid under the radar, also because we're not 100% sure if he's going to be the start this year at all, is Drew Pine going to Arizona State. I mean, he had a good record mm-hmm. at Notre Dame. He went eight and two, but it sounds like right now there's a three-way battle for the uh, for the quarterback position there. So he he might not be a, a very popular one this year, but he's one that if not this season, next season could become more well known. Yeah, 100. percent All right, let's roll into our team tier rankings or breakdowns, I guess. We're going to do this a little different than we did last week with the ACC. We're going to start at the top, make sure we're getting through everybody and we don't have to rush through the good ones. Uh, And these are going to be the ones people want to listen to anyway. I know maybe towards the back end when we get into predictions, uh, there'll be some stuff and you can uh, tune into that part too. But we're going to start at the top here. Um, Can someone break down the tiers for me? Who's in what tier uh, and where everybody sits? Starting with the favorites, obviously the people that we picked to win the conference, high Vegas odds to win the conference. We have Utah, USC, and Oregon. Then we're going to move down to the contenders, teams that have pieces that could pan out, um, and they could honestly contend to win the conference towards the end of the year. UCLA, Oregon State, Washington, and then our waitlist members, teams that are building. Maybe they just got a couple pieces here and there this year that they could be good, maybe in the contender slot but seem like it's going to be a two- to three-year turnaround. Colorado, Washington State, and Arizona. And then long shot would be Stanford, Cal, and Arizona State, correct? Correct, correct. Yes, thank you for breaking that down. Yeah, I think we just want to outline kind of where everybody sits. This is mostly based on where we think teams are going to be and who's really going to be playing for it. At the same time, let's look at some of the Vegas odds and where they sit preseason. Um so these teams could move around and shuffle. Obviously, maybe their favorite could end up down um, below one of these waitlist teams. Who knows? But we just want to break it down that way. Let's start with the Oregon Ducks. The Oregon Ducks, plus 300 to win the Pac-12, plus 500 to make the playoff. This is a team who had another great had a great year last year after um, bringing in Bo Nix in a different uh, kind of style of play that Oregon had had. They actually had quarterback play. They had the ability to run the football and throw the football. Um, Bo Nix returns for his second year, but under a new offensive coordinator, Will Stein, who was at UTSA with a high flying offense, if we remember how good those teams were. Any thoughts on the Oregon Ducks this year? Well, I think as far as weapons are concerned, because everybody wants to highlight first, I think returning Bucky Irving is a huge piece for them. Uh, everybody wants to talk about Bo Nix, and I think Bo Nix is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Uh, I, I don't think Bonix gets shown enough love, but I think Bucky Irving deserves a little more love in this uh, aspect. He rushed for over 10, uh, 1,000 yards last year. I think he's a top five back probably in the country. Uh, and the offensive line needs to step, keep stepping forward from where they left off last year. This offensive line only allowed five sacks. Uh, go- uh, junior guard, uh, sorry, guard, Word. junior <laughs> angle, yikes. Let's restart one more time. I'm all rattled now from the the <laughs> echo thing. I was not ready to restart that. <laughs> Good start. Junior Angelo. Guard Junior Angelo. I will just ignore him. I won't that. even mention him. That. Yikes. Anybody <laughs> else want to start? <laughs> I think that was fine. You just leave. You're it. Great, Jacob. We're cutting this um, out. I'll aren't we? just leave it. 
No, we're leaving that 100. percent We've already cut that. everything out. Let's just cut. No, this we're not. Out. That's real. I didn't, That's all. I didn't hear the right second there. part. I didn't hear how bad the second part went. But it's holy okay. shit! You hear it? We're not cutting it. He just like kept fumbling over the same three words and then the name. He well, just like sat there oh, yeah. and he goes, "Can we cut it?" I got confused because his name's fucking, <laughs> his name's Junior. His name's fucking Junior, and I was like. Maybe I put that down in my notes. He's a junior guard. No, that's his fucking no, name. Fuck that's Junior Angalo. This is staying in here. That's too good. I'm not no. in here. No. No. That's 100% staying hey, in there. Seriously, I'll come on. I'll pick you up right here. They're replacing four offensive linemen on an offensive line that was super talented, like Schaefer was attempting to say right there. Um, they do, like he's talking about Bucky Irvin. You have no way. Noah Whittington, who's also a great running back. So you would get one of the better running back rooms in the Pac-12, as well as um, bringing in some big-time playmaking transfers. You're bringing Treshawn Holden from Alabama, uh, Gary Brandt from USC, Trey Johnson from Troy. Those are all really good receivers. I think the Johnson one you may not know as much because he played at Troy. That was a good Troy team last year. They won the Sun Belt. Uh, when you also look at what uh, Lanning likes to do on the defensive side of the ball, we talked about the transfers that he's bringing in uh, in our outline. This is a guy who wants to get after the quarterback. He wants to have an attacking defense. He wants to be able to control the line of scrimmage. He wasn't able to do that much last year in his first year, uh, but he's got a good portal class. He's got a good recruiting class. They're going to be able to win the trenches a little bit more. Parks, any thoughts on the Ducks? Is there anything that you're really like, uh, we have to talk about this with this team? To add on just to what Schaefer was attempting to say, um, I just had Bo Nix as a big point, right? <laughs> like, Obviously, that's a big point, but I think uh, priority schedule-wise for them is beating Texas Tech early in the season, um, they were a very, very improved team after they got blown out by Georgia last year, right? They get written off. They get obliterated 49-3 to by the Bulldogs, and then everybody kind of puts them in the back seat. But really, they ended up being one of the better teams in the Pac-12, yep. and they looked like it games 2 through 12. So I think in, in the importance for this team is beating Texas Tech and keeping it rolling, and they should have a su- successful season if they do that. Yeah, recently. Tell me why the Ducks may or may not be a favorite, why they should be, why they shouldn't be. What are your thoughts? Are you leaning one way or the other? I think they're going to be a favorite in this conference this year because of what they have returning. Um, I'm going to I'm going to say hand up that I was completely wrong. I remember last season that I bet on BYU going to Oregon, and I said I would never bet on a guy named Bo Nix. Um, I was completely wrong on that. The guy had a hell of a season last year with an offense that averaged hey, 30 points. not. Yeah, no. Uh, they were hard. They were hard to start the year, man. I want a couple. I want yeah, some. They were supposed to win in like ten games. They won six, I think. Calm down, Jordan. Um, but that offense averaged thirty-eight point eight points a game. Bonex was an absolute stud. Um, the difference this year, though, we mentioned it before. Their offensive coordinator from last season left now at Arizona State, so they brought in Will Stein from UTSA, who had a pretty solid offense down there the last couple of years. So if he can figure out how to mesh with Bonex and all the weapons the they have right away, it's going to be pretty Harris. good. Yeah, they got yeah. they got all the weapons, everything they can figure out. Um, and that's that's yeah. something they're gonna have to worry about the defensive end, the defensive side of the ball. Um, if as long as they can hold teams, they can get stops every now and then and allow their offense to score. Um, they gave up twenty seven points a game last year, three hundred eighty six yards. Um, and they have not a favorable schedule, but they have three of their bigger games at home. But they also have two yeah. tough games on the road. So it depends if if they can win one of those two on the road and win all those games they have at home, I think they got a very good shot at winning the, the conference this season. Yeah, and they, as we talked about, they brought in Jordan Birch as well as Justin Jacobs from Iowa. This is an uh, edge guy that played a little outside linebacker, defensive end at Iowa, was hurt most of 2022, um, but a 
it's an elite defender. He's got all the size and all the makeup of going to play the NFL on Sundays. Um, so that's one I really think is a big deal. Schaefer, nine and a half on the win total. What are your thoughts? Are you seeing 10? Are you seeing more nine? Is this a team that you really think is going to be knocking on the door with maybe one loss late in the year? I think it's tough to tell right now, but um, I think the second week of the season is going to tell a lot of what we're going to expect out of this team as they're traveling to Lubbock uh, to play yeah. Texas Tech, who I think, you know, we'll get into that later, but is a very dark horse team to watch in the Big 12 this year. So it's not an easy place to play. Uh, they also have at Washington, and everybody knows of, I think it's the 19-game win streak of uh, at Utah that's going on right now. It's very tough to win at both places. Yep. I think this is top to bottom, especially on the defensive side of the changes they've made from the portal. This is one of the more talented teams in the conference. I think they can get it done. I'm going to take the over, but like I said, it's it's tough to tell when, when they have that game sitting in week yep. two in Lubbock. I I have under I have nine and three on my board and and kind of what I was thinking with nine and three is you do have those tough road games that you were talking about Schaefer just now uh, about uh, they go to Oregon or to Utah excuse me in Washington and I think they slip up somewhere else I think you you still got to play USC you still got to play uh, Washington State who may be sneaky and maybe a Texas Tech or an Oregon State gets you. Like I, I think there's a weird one in there that they might lose. Let's just say they lose those two tough road games. I think they somewhere else they get beat somewhere. I think they slip up because I'm not ready to call it a good defense yet, but I'm, I don't want to be one that's doubting Lanning and his ability to make a great defense. Parks, did you nod? Did you see 9-3 as well? Is that what I was seeing? I think it's. I think 10 is the only over possible. I don't see anything over 10. Okay. At Texas Tech, at Washington, at Utah, right? Like you're kind of setting yourself up for three losses. Maybe you get one of them, but still it only leaves you with 10. So it's, it's right in the middle. It's a perfect yeah. line, um, but I think nine is more realistic than 10. Yeah, you bet. And they do get uh, USC and Oregon State at home, as uh, Reese had pointed out earlier. Reese, are you thinking over or under nine and a half? I'm taking over. I'm, I'm sitting at 10. I think 11 sounds like a stretch, but it's not like it's insane. It could be doable for them. Like I said, the, at Washington, at Utah, they got to find a way. They got to find a way to win one of those, and then the USA or I said USA, USC, Wazoo, and Oregon State are all winnable games at home. I think as long as because I mean Eugene also is a very hard place to play too. Like that's not that's not an easy spot where you just can go in and get a win too. So like USC going there and actually being tested, that's not just a spot they can just go in there and win that game easily. So it sounds like we've got three guys thinking nine, so under nine and a half. One guy thinking 10, or we're kind of right in the middle. I think we all could be uh, construed to go over or under either way. Um, that's the Oregon Ducks. I think that's going to be a really interesting team to watch, man. I really do. You could bring Bo ba- Bro. Oh, my God. I did the same. We're not going to what we, What's going on? What, what, what's going on tonight? Are we good? You're Bo Nicks. I think it's a huge deal with the guy there. Um, so that's the Ducks. Let's roll on to Southern California, the Trojans, USC, plus 190, the odds-on favorite to win the Pac-12, plus 250 to make the playoff. I think this is a team that, once again, has made every headline in the history of ever outside of Colorado in this conference, and for good reason. They bring back Heisman Trophy winner and probably the best quarterback again in the country in Caleb Williams. The, the guy just gets a reloaded uh, wide receiver room with tons of talent around him, uh, and I think it's going to be another high-flying offense in Los Angeles for this team. Here's where I think that issue again hits. I've never once seen a Lincoln Riley defense that is worth paying attention to. So I, I, there's a lot of talent there. He's brought in a ton of talent, 
Their wide receiver room gets Mario Williams, Taj Washington, Dorian Singer, and Brendan Rice. Brendan Rice, Jerry's son, uh, transferred in from Colorado after all that stuff happened that was good. in Boulder. Yeah, it, it's pretty good. I don't know if you know that name or not. Jerry's pretty darn good. Um, can the O-line provide a, a better pass protection? It, even with Caleb Williams, they were 55th of 69 Power 5 teams in the sack rate last year. Even with Caleb Williams, that is astonishing on how bad that offensive line was at passing or at pass protection. They were able to run the football, but it they were not able to protect anybody. Somebody talk to me a little bit about USC, what your thoughts are, and what do you see on this team that needs to be talked about? One thing I think that kind of jumped out to me that I think is going to be really interesting for this team, we mentioned the continuous clock rule at the beginning of the season, and I think it's teams that have very efficient offenses. They can do anything and everything like this USC offense is going to do. And if they can find a way to just eat at the clock and wear down a defense, and especially if their defense is, is as successful as they were last year at taking away the ball, I think they they were in the top 10, if not top five in takeaways. Um, and if they can find a way to do that and just give the ball back to this offense who can score at will and if they can take their time doing it and just wear a defense down, especially if you're not deep on defense, I think it's a very interesting look that for this team to take advantage of and just eat it, just kill the time of possession, win that as a, as a huge battle. This is a game that people don't think about as much, but this could be yep. a huge role, I think, for this team this season. Parks. Yeah, it's a team I'm incredibly high on. I think this is, if, if this is going to be the year that they're going to make the college football playoff, it has to be this. They have an incredibly favorable schedule. They're going to be 6-0, and no doubt. I think there's going to be some, some headlines around week five playing at Colorado. Don't listen to those. That is clearly for you to click on it. Um, until they face Notre Dame on the road, I really don't think they're going to be tested very much. And then after that, really all they have is Oregon on the road and everything else that's important is at home. So um, favorable schedule, obviously Caleb Williams, we've mentioned a hundred times, but we can't mention him enough. And then as we, as Reese mentioned earlier, Dorian Singer adding into that already stacked wide receiver room as Mario Williams come back. So it, this is the team to do it. If they don't, it would be shocking, especially with the schedule they have. But I, yeah. I expect a lot out of the Trojans this year. Yeah, we got to talk about the last three games that they play, though. I mean, it, whether they're at home or not, Washington at Oregon, UCLA to finish your year. That, that It doesn't matter if you're undefeated going into those three games. You lose one or two of those, even one, depending on what happens throughout the rest of the conference. You're not playing in Vegas for a conference title. I think that's incredibly interesting that those three games end the year for them. Schaefer. Yeah, I think a couple of things. If, if this defense continues – to force teams to make turnovers. I think that's going to pay dividends. Uh, and I think Alex Grinch is going to figure it out. He's not one of my favorite defensive coordinators in the country, but I think but he's, he's figured my things out. For you. Are they figuring things out? Or are we still going to have a Lincoln Riley thing where it doesn't seem like defense is as important as it has? He, he kind of openly has said it in a couple of interviews yeah. where it's like, it, it, but you got to be good at it if you want to play on a national stage. Yep, and that, and that's what I was also going to say is even if really the defense doesn't make that big of a turnaround, I would rather take a team that I know is going to have a chance to score every single time they take the field um, if the defense is going to give up points in the meantime. I think I would rather have a team outscore. And I don't know, the, your everyone's opinions is what it is, but especially in the Pac-12, I think this team is just going to find ways to outscore uh, guys. Now, will they be in trouble if they run into a big SEC if they make the playoff, I think we should mm. cross that road when we get there. But for the team guys a, they're uh, going to play this year, I think they can outscore every single t- uh, team on that field. And, yeah, I, I think it's the best receiving room in the country. Not the best receiver, 
but the best receiving room in the country. This is an interesting conference because I think we're going to see a same kind of story for a lot of these teams is they're going to be able to score. I mean, they've got talented quarterbacks, talented wide receiver rooms, running backs, but the defensive side. So I think this is going to be an interesting year. There's going to be a lot of points thrown up in this conference. Rich, do you have any more thoughts on the Trojans? What are you kind of seeing? Maybe win total wise, I have 10 as the number. Is there something else that maybe we missed that you were kind of wanting to touch on? Not really. I was uh, the one thing I was going to mention that Park Jerry touched on. They're really not tested until week seven when they go to Notre Dame. But even going to Notre Dame, yeah, touchdown Jesus and all that. But they better be able to score a lot of points, keep with this offense. And that's one thing they didn't do very well last year. So I still think uh, the Trojans go in there and handle their business. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, one thing that we got to add in talking about the Pac-12 in general, and this is a great team to do it. Isn't it interesting looking at schedules and saying, oh, they play this team on the road and this team at home? I feel like this is the main Power 5 conference where that really isn't a thing, right? Like, if USC's playing at home, I'm not like, oh, man, USC's at home. Like, well, that crowd's going to be into it. If you're going to three Austin. Teams, I would, there's three teams, there's two, two, three teams that, yes, I can make yeah. that argument. Yes, I will hear that. But they're, the majority of the teams, like, playing USC is like, all right. I'm going to play in front of dozens of fans. Hopefully, see, it's I, would, loud. I would argue that, like, when they're good, I think it's a tough place. They'll to sell play. out, think, but I don't see yeah. it as a ruckus place. I don't They'll see sell it as out a place with where you're going to 15 rows covered by SC fucking pan- banners. They like banner the end zones at that place. Very true. That's. I mean, I just don't think it gets loud. I don't think the stadium that they play in is. I don't think it's built for sound. And even if they are, I think it's more. And again, here we go back to talking crap about the Pac-12. All of a sudden, after we were giving them all the love the, the fan base just is, in some parts is not as passionate it's not necessarily that they don't care but they don't they don't care the same way that people do may in the mid or might in like salt lake city or in the midwest or in the sec or the acc like these guys if the team loses they just want to be seen at the game to be said like we were at a usc game or we were at that game you know what i mean like i don't yeah you like utah, utah has the Utes and los angeles has ucla uh, USC, the Dodgers, the Clippers, it's the Lakers—they have town, all these things to care about. In Provo, they got or in uh, Utah. Sorry, not Provo. They Salt have Lake the City. fucking Utah. Sorry, my bad. They have uh, they have the fucking Utah to care about. That's it. Like that's yep. all. That's all they have in that area. Well, the Jazz are there. The Jazz sure, are there. The NBA man. It's yeah, the, you're right. It's not a pro sports town. I, I know what you're saying here. I know what you're getting at. But let's go right to the win total. Ten. What is everybody thinking? Add over. It. Over. I got 11 or 12 out of parks. You only think they win 10 games, Reese? I got a I have 10. Yeah. Where do you got them losing? I think they're going to I think they're going to drop to um when they got Oregon and let me let me pull up their schedule quick. Where do I have it at? I got them losing to Oregon. I have a dropping game to Washington and I think they um mm. drop one a random one at Notre Dame or uh, against UCLA or Oregon, so I think there's a, they lose two yeah. of the last three, um, and maybe at uh, Notre Dame. And I, mean, I just think rising, Rising's health too is a question mark. Like he's UCLA, coming out to- Oregon, yeah. Notre Dame. I think they lose one of those. That's my thoughts. Mm. Schaefer, they have they have probably the hardest non conference schedule too. I mean, granted, I don't see them losing two or three of them, but I think I mean if you see them slipping up against. A Florida or Baylor, if Cam Rising's not 100% right away, that can, that can be a game that could be dropped. Schaefer, give me something here. 
I'm sorry, I got yeah, confused. We, I thought we were going. Are we going into Utah now? We can go into Utah because I. No, no, no. We're talking USC win total ten. They didn't lose a home game last year. They're not going to do it again this year. Um, and then Oregon or Notre Dame, and I, I would think probably Oregon. Mm-hmm. I haven't been going eleven and one. I don't, I don't even see mm-hmm. it really being an issue to be honest. Okay. With, well, if everybody's both at ten, <laughs> that's interesting. Wait, yeah, my I bad. Mean, I have. I thought I don't know why because we were talking about Utah in my head, and I, I was talking about Utah. They're not USC. That's in my you bad. Yeah, you started bringing up Utah's uh, non-conference. I, like, I was talking about Utah, not USC. That's in my bad. I was like, I was confused. I was still in my head about, about like the. Salt I was like, Lake bro, State they got they got San Jose State, State and Nevada. I think yeah, they're, they're not pretty easy. When they said they had the toughest, I fucked up too. Not cut now. I just pooped my pants. I was like, are we gonna let this go? We're good. Don't cut it. We're keeping that. Let's go into it now. I want to talk about them. Over. Over. Okay. Everybody is over. I have them right at ten. I just want that to be known. Okay, let's go to Utah, though. We're already talking yep. about him. I'm sorry, USC. Good. I, okay. It just, I, I just kind of happened, all right? We'll go. I'll let's talk t- about the I'll Utes, take the floor with this one, if that's all right. All right. All right. Well, let me hit the odds first. I'll pass it over to you here, Shafe. The year back-to-back Pac-12 champions, plus 600 to three-peat, and plus 900 to hit the playoffs. I think any of these, if you're betting them to win the Pac-12, I don't think it's a bad idea to have them. Bet them to make the playoffs because they're higher numbers. Shaver wants the floor. Shaver, you can have the floor. Let's talk Utes. Well, I mean, these these win totals are so high with a lot of these teams, Oregon, USC, UCLA. I mean, it goes down the line, and, and Utah is one of them as well. So I said this last week. Somebody's got to lose these football games. And I'm sorry, Utah. And and I might feel dumb for going against Kyle Whittingham, but I, I see this team, I would almost move them down into the contenders. And you can't really say that about – a team who's won the conference back-to-back. I know that sounds bold and kind of stupid, but it's going to be interesting. I think how healthy can Cam Rising stay? Um, A knee injury like that is not easy to back back up from, to come back from. But when he's got Brant Cuthy, you know, coming back as a security blanket for him in his sixth year, I think that helps. I think Andy Ludwig coming back after almost going to Notre Dame last year is huge as, as far as, calling plays on that side of the ball. Uh, they return a lot of production. So I'm kind of making an argument against everything that I kept saying. <laughs> but yeah. but to be honest with you, I, I go down to the schedule. That's that's really what it comes down to. Uh, can they keep the home streak alive? They haven't lost at home since 2018. And they play at USC. I don't think they win that head-to-head. Maybe they see a rematch if, if they can get through everybody else. But they have the toughest schedule in the Pac-12. Wow, what's that you, for? Yeah, you have a face. Sure why don't that? you make? Why don't you make the an toughest argument? Toughest schedule in the Pac-12, I think, is wild. I yeah, the toughest schedule in the Pac-12 is wild. But can I run I that down for you? Toughest. You, t- no, go ahead. Like you can defend your point. I think they, somebody they else play, has a much tougher. They play schedule. everybody. So like, what I mean by that is, if I go through USC, Oregon State, blah blah blah, whatever. There's always a team they're not going to play. They are playing the top five teams, in my opinion. Oregon State at Oregon State at USC, Oregon, at Washington, and UCLA. Not to mention they go to Waco, and I know mm-hmm. Florida, we'll see what they do this year, but I mean, playing an SEC opponent the first game of the year, that's no cupcake. So no. I think I agree. They they have a brutal schedule. And yes, they do have a tough schedule. I don't think this isn't this isn't schedule. a year where they can go nine and three and make the Pac twelve title. I just don't think it can happen. So I think we are split on this one. I, I, I kind of believe in this football team. And 
to be honest with you, I think it, a lot of it has to do with just the, the veteran uh, leadership that they'll have on your defense. You bring back 11 of 15 top defenders on a defense who was already solid. I know they gave up. Oh my goodness. Season out over there. Parks. What in the world was the lights? there? Light <laughs> died. Yeah. You believe that? It looked like I was, I felt like I was dying. I got the red wings of death in real life. In the darkness right now. This is just a team that I think is very veteran. I think you have one of the best coaches in the country in it. You bring back your quarterback. You bring back a star tight end who was hurt last year. Uh, Dalton Kincaid stepped in for him and did wonderful. Well, now you bring the guy back who is supposed to be the highlight of that offense. You bring back, um, a, like I said, a ton of your defensive production. And with that, I just think they're a tough, physical um very complimentary football team. They're going to play to their strengths. They're going to do what they do best. They're not going to go outside of themselves or anything. I, eight and a half is a win total I'm seeing. I'm thinking 10 is very possible. Now, do they get to a Pac-12 title? I'm not sure. But what I do know is Pick 6 Previews, one of the magazines that I was reading, has them winning the Pac-12. And he is all in on it, and he can't be swayed off. I Do I see him winning the Pac-12? No, but I think I, I see nine or 10 wins here. I think there's too much talent and too much um, production and veteran leadership in a really good program where it's tough to win football games at if you're the visiting team. So Reese, Utes, Parks, Utes, which one are you thinking here? Um, roll. Reese, go ahead. So you had their, their win total is at eight and a half. I'm seeing it. I have eight and a half written down. Yeah, that's an, that's an easy over. I don't think there's a way this team doesn't win that many, at least nine. Like just because, like Schaefer, you're mentioning, Schaefer's confident, and I'm not saying he's it's, wrong. It's the hardest. It's the hardest place to play in college football. But I mean, just an an, an eight well, win team. Out. Whoa! What hardest place to play in college football? Did you just say that? Okay. Well, sorry, Pat. We'll finish. Try specify saying Pac-12. Sorry, Pac-12. That would that yeah, would make thank a, you. That sorry, would make a lot specify. Specify. It's, sorry, yeah. in the Pac-12, in this conference, whatever they're gonna they're gonna take games at home against against better teams. I still think they're gonna. Um, dropped one against Oregon, but it's still a place where you can't just go in there expect to win. When the lights go out there, uh, it's just a harder place to play. And their defense is always just—they're uh, very, very gritty. They're the top—they're the top team in in twenty-two. Um, and then their head coach just knows how to win. Like he's built that program. He has a tradition there. Um, like I said, I mentioned before when I was mistakenly talking about Utah and you're talking about USC. Cam Rising's health is going to be a big, big question mark. If he's unable to be there right away at the beginning of the year, then I think that's the issue where you could see them going under, but I still think see them easily going nine, 10 wins. He's just kind of a physical guy. And I think he just kind of puts himself into bad situations for, for being as injury prone as, as he is. I don't, I don't know. It, that just worries me out of anything. Yes. He does have a sliding problem. He needs to get down to protect himself a little bit more, but the guy's a gamer, man. He's a gamer parks. Uh, big pieces for Utah that return. Obviously we mentioned cameraizing. And one of those guys, you can't mention enough health priority. Number one, However, a big piece in college football, I would say in the pros as well, it's beneficial to have both sides, but a huge piece in college football is their O&D line return and they're the number one on both sides of the ball. So um, that's a big plus plus for them. I think it's an easy eight and a half over as well, pending the first two weeks, right? I, I agree. Yeah. They have a tough schedule, not the toughest, but pending the first two weeks, will tell you pretty much all you need to know for the rest of their years. Yeah, this is a team uh, who ranked in the top 15 in uh, the run push metrics and sack rate. So this is a team that didn't give up many sacks and they're be able to run the football and move the line of scrimmage in their favor quite a bit. Eight and a half. I Schaefer, do you have at eight or nine? I'll take the over. I think so nine. 
Yeah, I'll take I'll take the over with you guys. Four okay. no on the over. I, I still think, I think they could miss over. the Pac twelve title with with nine and three. I think they could yeah. miss it with ten and two if things yeah, go. Yeah, weird. exactly. Um, to say the team has the toughest two. schedule and then have them at nine wins is is a little crazy to me, right? Like, that's crazy. I was just putting them in. I mean, this is the back back to back. Not if they're talented, conference champ, good, you know, they're, they're a talented team. Are we going for a three peat? Was what the question was asked, in my opinion, not the win total. So I was just thinking, I, just with the schedule, I think no, it's going to be. Hard to I don't think they three peat. I don't think they three peat. I think exactly. that's that was too my many good teams in this conference this year. But I do um, like eight and a half. I really do. Okay. I like the over. All right, Reese. I know you said easy over, like correct? Over. And Parks as well. Uh, over, yes. Uh, yeah. Also, they have a uh, player wide receiver number two for the uh, Utah Ute. His name is Money Parks Jr. So give me the damn over. <laughs> <laughs> all right did you, well, that's the huge right on. there one, one thing did you see there's a guy coming back for their defense this year um nate richie is his name after being on a latter-day saints retreat for the last two years i did see that where else pretty normal. what other college team BYU. is dealing yeah, with guys BYU. having going on a latter-day saints retreats for the church for two years to come back and just demolish people 95 percent of byu's players are 30 years old <laughs> They have four one Ks, bro. I read that. I read that. I'm like, what the hell are they doing in Utah? Do they have anything else to do? Yeah, it's just it's different out there, man. Oh, so Jesus, let's, go let's, go. Our, let's go to our last favorite, the Washington Huskies. The Huskies plus three twenty to win the Pac-12, plus six hundred to make the playoff. This team returns their head coach and Kellen DeBoer, their offensive coordinator, and their quarterback and Michael Penix, along with fifteen of twenty two starters on a team that broke out last year, um, scoring a ton of points, playing good defense. This is a team, no spoilers or anything that we'll get to later, but this is a team I'm super high on. They bring back both 1,000-yard receivers. They they have to replace three other five offensive linemen, um, but they're going to do it with guys who have been around. There's fifth and sixth years guys that are ready to step in and take uh, the reins. They only give up five sacks in 575 pass attempts last year. That'd be nice. That unreal. Yeah, I wonder what that's like because I'm not That'd really nice. sure what it is. I, it helps having Penix who can be mobile a bit, but we also just talked about USC who had a problem with the sack, giving up sacks to the guy who's more mobile than anybody else in the country uh, under center. This Husky team, man, I it's a top-tier run defense. It's a top-tier defense. It's a team that is playing loose. They're playing confident. And they kind of switched from, you know, under the Chris Peterson and um, Jimmy Lake years where it was defense, 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 and maybe we'll play offense. I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago when they brought Montana in. And that game was like 12-10. Yeah, and Washington just couldn't move the football on an FCS defense that was super talented um, and got beat in that game. Like, it's interesting to see how it's just completely flipped with one coaching hire. Um, Kellen DeBoer goes and gets Penix, and it works out perfectly. And I, this is a team I really high on. I do think that there are a couple things that maybe um, you can look at and question. I is, is the hype too much for a program that hasn't been – you know, to the playoffs since 15, they haven't had or won a Pac-12 title since that same year. And they go to USC, they go to Oregon State, and then they go to Michigan State early in the year as well. Is this too much hype around this team? Is this just enough? How do you think they handle it? Because I think this is front and back the best team on paper in the Pac-12. I was a part of the hype that two years ago when they got beat by that Montana team that came yep, in. I was a part um, of that as well. I'll, I'll bite the bullet there. Bill Steele has these dudes down as a serious playoff contender. Now, I think, like you mentioned already, 
Michigan State week three will kind of give you the baseline of whether or not that sentence holds weight at all. But the, like I said, the last time I was high on Washington, it just did not pan out. And their schedule is not easy. So I think it's going to be a watch and tell more than, yeah, you should believe in this. You should believe in this. Obviously, the quarterback position is their best. Mm-hmm. But we need to see this team play. Yeah. And the, I think the one thing that I was touching on a little bit earlier with the defense, it's, a, it's an elite front seven, man. The linebacking core, the defensive line is an elite group. The defense, don't get strayed by the numbers from the past um, defense last year. They had a ton of injuries on the back, and I think they had seven or eight DBs all missed time at some point during the year. So they, they're they bringing all these guys back, and they're just as talented, but they're going to be healthy hopefully this time. So, um, Schaefer, let's go to you. Let's talk a little bit of Husky football. Well, first of all, I think the height, they're getting is deserving. I, I really do it because of all the production they return at key pieces. I mean, both of their starting tackles are back. Neither one of them allowed a sack last year. That's absolutely insane. Uh, if USC wasn't in the conference, this would easily be the best receiving room in that conference. The receiving room is absolutely loaded. Uh, Michael Penix kind of revived his career last year, which I was, it was awesome to see. Cause I was kind of a, I was in that supporting train that I think he just kind of got screwed at Indiana um, with bad, yeah players or in bad coaching part honestly but besides the point uh it'll be interesting to see when i look at usc and washington i think the difference could be obviously the obvious one's quarterback play but i think number two is which transfers make the difference on the defensive side of the football for the Mm -hmm. for both teams uh they really they went in and got they actually picked up zach defree uh, which was the probably the best Division two transfer to come in. He's a D-end out of Sioux Falls, actually. Kalen DeBoer's alum. So a oh, little cool. interesting tidbit there. But And then they go in and get a USC linebacker as well. I think with the production they return, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm siding USC, but I will also back up anybody who wants to get well, all in. You can have two in the, in the conference title, though, right? You, you can give them a conference title game nod. Unless I, I we're missing somebody we haven't talked about yet. I'm I'm going Oregon. I think I would take oh, okay. Oregon over this okay. team right now. Don't go too now. deep into this. We're going to talk about this later. I know. You but really I, ask, I see what you're but saying. Okay. I'm going Oregon. You're good. You're good. Reese, give me some thoughts on the Huskies. Uh, obviously, they had the firepower, the firepower last year. They had an average 518 yards per game, which is top in the conference. Penix threw for 4,600 yards. That's nuts coming from the Indiana score where he really mm-hmm. wasn't anything like that. Uh, the big thing I think you guys have mentioned is going to be their defense. Um. They gave up, I believe it was 26 points a game last season. They were third overall for the Pac-12, which is pretty solid. But the one thing I that I did a little bit digging on that I noticed is they were 100th nationally against the uh, against the ball. 251 yards they gave up, sorry, through the air is what I was trying to get out. They gave up 250 yards in the air per game last year against teams that in this conference they love to throw the ball. So if, if they can't do that against – they can't do that again this year, they're not going to have any success. I think they'll have a shot at not even making a, a conference title game like Schaefer just kind of mentioned and not have the season. Cause like you guys have mentioned before, when the two years ago, when they were getting all the hype in the world and everybody was kind of focusing up on them and keying in on them, they didn't love to the hype. And I think it's kind of a year where they might have some sort of similar downfalls. Ooh, I see. I going back to that thing. Like they had six or seven DBs missed time last year due to injury. And now was that a bad stat and an excuse? No. But I also think that if you bring all these guys back and they're healthy, I think you're going to have a much improved defense. And it also helps if your front seven is good enough to get to the quarterback. Now, what is going to hurt is the ability of 90% of the teams in this conference to move the football through the air in elite fashion and not just good passing attacks. I'm talking some of the best in the country. Uh, so this is a team 
Reese is right. Like they may struggle defending the pass, but they might be able to make it up in other spots. Win total of nine. It's interesting that they're only plus three twenty, which is the third odds on favorite to win the Pac twelve, and their win total is only nine. I was thinking it'd be around nine and a half. Um, this is an easy over for me. I'm thinking ten or eleven. I'm leaning eleven wins. I think your one slip up might be um, at USC. I think that might be one, or they'll lose a random one at Oregon State or to Utah. I I see eleven and one in this team's future. I would say that I see, I see nine and three. Nine and three. That's where that's where I got it, man. This nine and three at a Reese I mean, and Schaefer. USC, I'll take USC, the outside. Utah, Oregon State back to back to back. That's tough. Uh, I'll take the outside. I have them eight and four. I have the under. Holy oh God! Yeah, no, I'm not gonna jump on the Utah. Tra- I mean, the Washington train this time. Parks is just, just not. his ass from the last two years. He's, he's, he's yeah, no, I, I've done this Everybody, before. I'm I've seen this story in. before. I'm back in. This is when you go and you. Go to the fountain pop parks. You know this pain. Pour yourself a thing of Mountain Dew. You get on the road and it's flat. And you're like, I'll never be fooled by that mm. thing again. I'm just going right back to the well here. I'm going to put confidence in this team. Put confidence in that Casey's to make sure that you're. I can picture it in my head. I can picture it. Two years ago, I am just all on the Washington train. Montana rolls in. Boom, they're 0-1. Now I got Boise State <laughs> rolling in. That ain't no Montana. We got Boise State. That's a serious team. If they lose that game, then I'm right, 100. percent Because they're they're they got they got some tough games down the road that Reese already mentioned. So I, I'll stay. I'll take under. I, I wouldn't well, touch it. I wouldn't touch it with the 10 foot pole. But I'll say, yeah, that. I'm the one bearing the flag for the Huskies this year in Washington. I think they're going to be electric and a ton of fun to watch. Now that's it for the favorites. Schaefer, did you have some? Are you raising your hand? Yeah, okay, sorry. I just want to make sure. Let's roll into contenders. Do we want to start with Oregon State or UCLA? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the right. Oregon State. All right, the, well, the keys to the Oregon State because I this is a team. I'm, I'm oh, you get the keys. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> give me the keys. That doesn't seem like let it makes break, sense. Break down the odds real quick, and we'll roll into the beeves here. Oregon State Beavers. They are plus eleven hundred to win the Pac-12, and there's no playoff odds I saw on DraftKings that I was looking at to make the playoff. Um, but what I can tell you is that their win total is eight and a half. This is a team that won nine games last year, and in the regular season and a 10th in the bowl game for only their third double digit win season in program history. You want the keys to the kingdom again, Schaefer, go ahead, but make sure you pass it to the guy with the Oregon state sweatshirt on next. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) I just think this is a team that a lot of people are kind of doubting. Um, I even actually, I was listening to, I don't even remember what pod. I I think that's interesting. I feel like I've seen a lot of people buying this as the dark horse. In the okay. I guess we're listening to different pods today. I even yeah, heard one. Possible. I don't want to throw pods under the bus, but they refer to them at like Iowa State a couple of years ago. Like this Jeez. team that's coming in with a lot of hype and doesn't back it up at all. Like they peaked last year. Like that was what I heard about this team, which I thought it was interesting. But I think when you return with an electric guy like Damian Martinez, you get four or five offensive line back this year. Jake Lavengood is one of the best centers in the country. When you lose on the defensive side of the ball, when you lose a guy like Omar Spates, yeah, that that hurts. But I think that this team is just going to figure it out. I trust Jonathan Smith. I think he takes pride in both offensive and defensive side of the ball. Being a former quarterback, former alum, he just takes overall a ton of pride in this program. I think he's got them going in the right direction. They don't play USC. I'm just going to highlight that. They get Utah, Washington, and UCLA all at home. So I think – 
this team is primed to set up for for nine wins. Um, and I, it, it, and if the DJ experiment doesn't work, that's the everybody wants to say. Well, what if DJ doesn't work? He didn't fit in the system. Okay, they got their guy from last year, Ben Goldberg, yeah. who threw he went it for seven and one as a starter, I believe. What's that? I th- I believe he went seven and one as a starter yeah. after getting the role so, after a couple yeah. of weeks. He, he's going to be just fine if DJ doesn't work out. So I think Oregon State will figure this thing out and be a dark horse contender this year. Yep. Parks. It's weird. I do. I am wearing the sweatshirt, but honestly, when I was looking through it, obviously DJ small guitar, biggest piece, Damian Pierce returns. I think the schedule is the biggest piece for this Oregon State team. Obviously, we already talked about it, but their road games are not hard. Right, playing on the road is usually the toughest part, and I would say Corvallis is probably on the upper end, not a top tier home field advantage place, but uh, on the upper end of things for sure. Yep. Um, Washington State, Cal, Arizona, Colorado, and then at the end of the year, obviously Oregon. But those first four, come on, right? Like that. Those that's a very favorable schedule. This team has everything set up for them to win nine, ten games, ten games again. Um, so I, I'm high on him, but uh, we're looking at DJ Small Guitar, right? Was his problem really Clemson? Was Clemson the issue? Is he going to have much better weapons at Oregon State? Right? I think like, it's an what, interesting question. I, I do think that when you look at what he's done and who he came in as a quarterback uh, after being the five-star recruit that he was, he had the ability to throw the football deep. He had the ability uh, – with just straight up arm talent, but he had an accuracy problem. He had a confidence problem. And I think you really saw that, but what you did not see is an attitude problem. It's a guy who was always nose to the ground. He was taking um, every hit that you could possibly imagine from media members, whether they're Clemson based or nationally based. And I think maybe it was, a, maybe it's as simple as a scenery change. Maybe it's just, it didn't mesh the way people thought it was. Maybe it's not Clemson's fault, but it's not DJU's fault. Maybe it's just the one of those things that didn't mesh correctly. Um, I do think what's interesting when you look at this team, they're going to bring in um, one of the highest rated recruits they've ever had at a quarterback position. That'll probably fight for a backup spot with um, their, I can't remember the kid's name, their quarterback last year that started eight games. Um, and DJU is going to have to rely on the run game. This whole team is going to have to lose a lot of their top targets through the air. And DJ already struggles. Uh, if he's not getting bailed out by talented receivers, I think they're going to have to make him use his legs. They're going to have to get him out of the pocket. They're going to have to do stuff a little bit different. So this is a very talented team. I think it's different uh, than years past. I think there's more talent at the quarterback position than what they've seen. But we'll see kind of how this all plays out. Reese, do you have any thoughts on the Beavers? Uh, like you meant, you guys have been talking about, they just can't throw the ball. Like my big question is, can they make their wide receivers more important part of their offense? They averaged 199 yards per game on the, uh, through the air, which is, uh, 50 yards away from the next closest team in that conference where they love to hear the yeah. ball out. You mentioned they're bringing back their stud running back. They have four of the five on the line. So they're going to rely on it a lot. But D- I mean, I mentioned it last week when we talked about on the ACC, DJU, uh, when they played at Wake Forest, like he looked like a stud in that game too. Like, so he can have flashes of it, but it's just, is he going to be the guy and he can he sustain it for that whole season? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the biggest thing going in. Their defense is going to be solid again. Um, they were the top, uh, they only gave up 21 points a game last season, 332 yards. But again, they did yep. lose a lot of guys. So it's guys replace. But I think they'll, they'll still have a fit. They still have a favorable schedule. They'll play spoiler, spoiler to one of those top four teams and just create chaos in there. Yeah, and this is a defense who ranked 42nd out of 66 Power 5 teams in 2021 and then ranked 7th 
out of 66 last year. A one-year difference is all it took to make that big of a leap. I think that's a huge step up. They do lose a little bit of talent on that end of the football, which is, I think, where my questions start to creep in. Uh, outside of the receiver room, just you got to see what happens there with what talent's in there. And then um, just loss of talent on defense. This is going to be a solid unit, maybe a no-name unit, but they're going to be solid. I am a little lower. Like I want to, this team to succeed. I think this is a program that would be awesome to see you do well. I over eight and a half has got me thinking, man. I'm thinking I have him at eight. Under. Under. I like the value. It's it's. Uh, I have eight and a half yep. at plus one thirty. I just like the value. Um, if you're gonna play it, yep. I and I understand that. I I I just think. Do you see ten Schaefer? Can you see ten wins with a bowl game? Or no. Not like not ten and two. No, I'm not. No, not nine and three, and then ten and three. I'm saying ten and two going into a bowl game. Looking at the schedule, yeah, I think I do. But you're um, not confident in it. You could see. Uh, it, no, but you're not. no, I'm not. Not not super confident in it, but I see okay. it, and I think the Oregon game at the end of the year could be the difference. If if they get yeah. them again this year, this could be a ten win team. Um, but we'll have to wait and find out. It's gonna be a great game. I like what. You're, you guys said like the receiver position, they're not very loaded. They're going to use a ton of tight ends this year. I think their smash mouth style of play kind of, mm-hmm. it counteracts to what everybody else tries to do in the conference. So, All right, let's roll into the UCLA Bruins here. Let's go to the Bruins. They're plus 1,400 to win the Pac-12, a win total of eight and a half. This is a team that ran out to a 6-0 start last year, finished 9-3, and so they went 3-3 three and three in their last six. Um, three horse race in the quarterback room. I think this is one of the more interesting quarterback rooms within the conference. I uh, got yeah, Ethan Garbers, Dante Moore, who they flipped uh, from an Oregon commitment, a five star quarterback, and then they have Colin Shield, a Kent State transfer. There's guys in this room. I think all three of them could be legitimate picks. I just think when you're looking at a true freshman and Dante Moore, there's more upside to see him. Uh, but maybe they Chip Kelly goes with a different uh, a different quarterback with a little more experience under his uh, under his belt. Uh, Portal Hall is what picks up uh, the poor recruiting that Chip Kelly's had. I don't know if you guys kind of noticed where they've sat in the recruiting rankings, but Chip Kelly has not done as well as he had done at other places. And it's interesting to see that when they're in LA, they're in the PAC 12. This is, I mean, this is a hotbed in California out there and he hasn't gotten kids to commit there. So I think their portal hall really helps out this program. I, this is one of the more, it's not that interesting of a team that, for me, honestly, I don't know if you guys felt the same when you were kind of going through everything. There was not a lot to talk about or really be truly interested in. The defense needs help a lot, man, I, especially in the back end. They were, it wasn't a good defense like really last year. They're getting better, but Chip Kelly's kind of going to sit in that eight and four, nine and three, seven and five is kind of where I see this UCLA team at. Um, and I, I don't see them. I don't know. I could see nine, but I think a little bit under that is where I'm going to land on this team. They're just not as interested. I don't think they're going to be as elite yet. There's a lot they got to change. You guys have any thoughts on the Bruins? I Again, you might have a little more interesting insight into them. I just I didn't see a ton of things to be excited about with this team. I think you hit the nail on the head, right? It's not an exciting team this year by any means. I think Carson Steele is going to be the biggest name for that offense. If he pans out, that'd be great, but it's also a Mac transfer, right? Sometimes those guys don't transfer well from the group of five to power five football when they see bigger and better athletes more consistently. As for the schedule, they have two really good group of five teams rolling in to start the year. They go at San Diego State week two, and they bring in Coastal week one, and then their road games throughout the rest of the year or not. I think eight and a half is a perfect spot. I do see him slightly under. Spoiler alert mm-hmm. for the end of this talk, but I see seven or eight here. 
But it is Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly's a good coach, so he might have these boys ready to go, and I could eat my words here. But not an exciting team at all, and I think they 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 could be in almost a weightless spot here. Yeah, Reese or Schaefer. Say so they bring in a new defensive coordinator, which is obviously big. Um, they gave up 400 yards a game last year in 28, so that's not a very it's not a winning formula. Um, replacing Zach Charbonnet is going to be a big deal with Carson Steele if they can find out if he's going to be the guy, and then. Going into the year not knowing who your quarterback is, that's a big battle too. If they might have to play feeler for the first couple of games, very who their guy is going to be too. So I think that's just something that's going to be interesting to find out as well for this team. Shafe, I do. I think Parks is right. I think eight and a half is the perfect spot for him. Uh, there's just not a ton I want to really get into with them because I think this is one of the more wait and see teams of the conference, and I think it mm-hmm. really starts at the quarterback position. Um, how good is Dante Moore? He's the highest rated recruit um, on offense in school history. You know, and there's talks that the the Garbers kid might even start. So we don't really even yeah. know who's going to take that position. So I got to see. Yeah, it's a wait and see for me too. I think that's interesting that we all kind of had the same conclusion on this team. To the wait list we go. Let's start with the Washington State Cougars. Wazoo plus four thousand to win the Pac-12. A win total of six and a half. Uh, Dicker replaces both coordinators in year two. Uh, he has a situation where he's got to make changes. He feels like he's got to change the way Wazoo plays football a little bit. Uh, they bring in Ben Arbuckle from Western Kentucky. That's a high-flying offense down there. If you remember the Conference USA title game at UTSA a couple years ago with Zappi and his senior year, ton of fun to watch. And I think with Cam Ward, you're going to see this guy take off a little bit more. Uh, but they got to replace four of the five in the offensive line. The wide receiver room was a complete overhaul, whether they were people are transferring out, graduating. It's brand new. You're not sure what they're going to look like quite yet. And the defense is going to have to rely on turnovers again and just causing a little bit of chaos because they're not super talented um, around the edge. I think that they'll, they'll be better. I just don't see this team with the amount of talent in this conference winning more than seven games at most. But Cam Ward's one of the more interesting quarterbacks in the conference i think bringing in the oc that they are and arbuckle is a huge this is kind of going back to what wazoo was with mike leach a little more air raid uh, arbuckle does like to run the football but it's air raid tendencies with the ability to run the football it's passed to open up the run game do you guys have any thoughts on wazoo this is a team i think that'll get interesting we put them on the wait list because i think this could get real interesting in the next couple of years for them this year maybe not but they're still gonna be fun fly high flying team to watch play football parks what do you think of wazoo I think it's a team that we've seen flashes from, and I always feel like Wazoo is that team that you, in some random week, week seven, week eight, where you flip on the TV and it's like, oh my God, they're beating so-and-so and and they shouldn't be, right? Like that's just kind of who Washington State is, who they've always been. I think they get to eight wins this year. I think it's only right after the year Mike Leach passes. I think that's just my ethical play of the year. Um, It's... They do have some tough games. They do go see a Luke Fickle team. I mean, they host a Luke Fickle team in week two. Um, So we'll have to wait and see. But ethical, moral play of the year. I think Mike Leach is old. Cougs get to eight wins. I think Cam Ward's a stud. And honestly, he's a sleeper name with all the big names you have in this conference. But good team. Shafe, want to talk Wazoo? Your boy here. Yeah. yeah, You said said interesting a few times, JP. And I think that's pretty much the perfect word to describe him. we got to protect Cam. I say we. I, I am going to be a kind of a, a sleeper Washington State fan this year. I'm a big fan of Cam Ward. Uh, he's they got to protect him this year though. 46 sacks last year. That can't get well, it done. That's with um, Cam Ward under center. People. That is a mobile human could sack 46 times. <laughs> you returned four of the five guys, but I think it was Stanford Steve who always said uh, experience doesn't always bring back talent. So. Mm. 
We'll see if that group improves. They lost their top four receivers, but they added Josh Kelly from Fresno State and Kyle Williams from UNLV, both guys who have 1,000 yards in their career. So guys who have experience, we'll see what they do. But I'm a big fan of their front uh, front four on the defensive side of the ball. I think Ron Stone at the edge position is great, and Brendan Jackson is another all-conference guy. So when you got a good defensive line, that's going to help something yep. on the defensive side of the ball. But interesting. They'll be fun. Like Cam said, they'll get one or two teams this year that you didn't see coming. Reese. I'm not going to bet on them against was or bet on Wisconsin this year when they play them. Remember that one last year, Parksy? What a great pick that was out of us. Mm. On the, on the defensive remember. side of the ball, we see, yeah, 17 and a half. Wow. What a pick that was. Um, but on the defensive side of the ball, they did pick up two big transfers, uh, linebackers, uh, Dev Register from Texas and Ahmad McCullough from Maryland. So, um, not big names, but just something that can help improve that defense, which is not very solid year in and year out. With a win total at six and a half, do we have anybody thinking seven or eight? I think I'm on that it side. Thinking seven. I'm yeah, going to seven or eight. Good spot. I Over. think I'm going to keep it at six. I could see seven, but I'm going to keep it at six. Yeah. Okay, well, we got two guys thinking seven or eight and two thinking six. We're going to be right around that six and a half total with Wazoo. On to the wait list again. Probably the talk of the offseason just about every conference, every TV channel, every podcast, every time you scroll onto Twitter in the college football verse, the Colorado Buffaloes plus 14,000 to win the Pac-12, win total at three and a half. Deion Sanders prime walks into Boulder and completely changes everything. I think they brought in 50 some new players. I think it, whether that was from the portal or um, in the recruiting world, he got the number two transfer class and then he's number 23 in one year. He'd been there for Three, two or three months and already got up to the number 23 class in the 23 uh, high school rankings. Talent's coming. And again, like he said, he's bringing his luggage and it's Louie. But is this team ready to win yet? This is who knows. It's hard for me to see or be like, yeah, they're going to win seven games. I have no idea. I have no idea. You have no idea how this team is going to mesh. You have no idea how this team is going to um, just adapt to being around each other. You don't know if Shadur Sanders is actually a good quarterback at the power five level. You have no idea if Travis Hunter is still the player he was coming out of high school. Like you have no idea what to think about this team. Is there talent everywhere? Absolutely. Is it a great coaching staff? Absolutely. Is it fun to watch um, a team in Colorado with, you know, the Buffalo and the like Folsom fields, kind of it's iconic setting. It's a little different than everywhere else. They have the black and gold with uh, a very, very um, cool logo. That's very unique. But I don't know. I, somebody's got to help me out here because I've sat on this for so long and I don't know. I don't know what to think of this team. I wanted to just kind of get into it. And it's maybe not good PR for our, our podcast, but, man, I'm just kind of sick of the talk on this team. And Oh, I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry. Nebraska fan, though. When we, t- when we talk about – when I talked about UCLA being a wait-and-see team – this is literally a wait and see team. This is you actually the definition of a new team showing up in four months, and I this is actually a different university now. This is I, not I'm even done the same listening university. to these college football heads. I don't care how much of an expert you are. This is literally a brand new team. Thirty five guys left post the spring game. That's kind of concerning because spring ball is a, a big portion of what you like to install. Now I know guys come in in the summertime, um, and stuff like that. But man, I just don't. We've never seen this before, so I can't say – like, you hit it all in the head, Jordan. They have the weapons. We've never seen this before. I have no idea. I don't – I think the depth – if we want to really talk X's and O's sort of thing, the depth is – they're very, very small. I mean, if anybody yeah. gets hurt, if Shadur Sanders gets hurt, 
this team won't win a football game. So that's all I'm going to say is as the actual football analysis. Yep. Parks, talk a little bit. I'm so tired of hearing about this team and everything around them. Deion Sanders, it, it, it's Colorado Prime. That's what they're called. It's Colorado Prime. You find you buy a piece of Colorado gear, it says Prime on it. That's the only reason they're in any news. I'm not putting any eggs into any baskets to bastards that lost to North Carolina Central. You were bringing in Louie that lost to North Carolina Central. Travis Hunter barely played. The first time Shador Sanders gets hit by a Samoan Pac-12 linebacker, he might die. He is not big. He's an accurate thrower, but you're bringing in a line from Jackson State, for Christ's sake. I, and this schedule did absolutely no favors to them. No favors. No Absolutely favors. not, which is great. He deserves it. I hope this team gets shit on all year long. And I'll be there for, for Dion's first home game. He is a Nebraska fan. This is why. a big eight rivalry from hell. Oh, they know. That's all it's I'll be there. Week two. I'll be there. Nebraska in Nebraska East. I'll be there. Don't you don't you fucking worry. Reese talk about Colorado before he loses his mind. I mean, everyone wants to everyone wants to jump on him for losing all those players and all that, but I mean this wasn't a one in eleven team last year who was atrocious. I I took Utah last year when they played at Colorado. I think the spread was thirty eight and a half. They won by like fifty or something like that. Like that team was garbage, dude. Like there was nothing. So yeah, like the overhaul hundred percent makes sense. There's nothing nothing bad against you. You bring in a new coach, you gotta you gotta do something there. Like one in eleven is now what a college program needs to be to win. So there's that, yeah. but then there's all there is all the question marks about um can these guys play at this level? Can Shooter be competitive? I mean he threw for forty touchdowns and six picks, but that's also at a much lower competition. It's it's different. Can they actually get used to the power five schedule? Um, like I said, it's the overhaul. I don't see why people hate on so much. They were one in eleven. They were awful. If if and if it wasn't it's for Coach Prime, it's, it's a new college. It here's here's what I'll argue. I'm not going to argue for them, but here's what Prime, I'm going to say. Nobody was talking about this school, but they were one in eleven last year. They here, were awful. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't think you can bring anything up from last year. I think no. they were awful last year. I understand that, but like, no, you can bring something up. You can bring something up. They lost to North Carolina Central. You can bring that up. That's that team. He brought all of them over. 51 players in the transfer portal. You brought all of them. Over, under, three and a half. Under. Yeah, I got I got three wins, I think. I think. He, I have him at yeah, four. Probably. probably I, four? Ceiling, ceiling I have him at is, four. Again. Ceiling, is, ceiling is five. I have no idea what to expect three. this game. So I don't think I'm crazy to say they're going to beat Colorado State. They're going to beat Arizona That's State. That's fine. Stanford. There's your three. And then I think they get Arizona or Washington State. I think there's a – and who even knows – we haven't talked about the Pac-12 or the Big 12 yet. Who knows if TCU is good? Like, we have yeah. no idea. Come on. Like, come on. It the doesn't matter what this team's going to look like. About the this skirt, team like the I can promise you – I can promise you that team is much That's a home game for Nebraska Reese. You don't know that. We just talked about so, how we have no idea. We have no idea if this team is good. They might be. Who knows? Again, we don't know. Let's Did, jump into the long shots, though. We, we've been rolling for a while. I don't whoa. have my timer up here, so I have not been able to see how long we've been recording. So that's probably oh, wow. why I've been rolling. Before we go into long shots, are we going to skip over Arizona, or are we just throwing them in I the long shots? I put them in long shots. Did you want okay, them in that's wait fine. List? Throw them in there. Uh, we can throw them wherever. Do you want them in the wait list? Nope. Let's go. We can so? add them in the wait right. list. Let's just, let's just go into Arizona. Okay. Split decision. decision. Actually... I think we might be a little bit easier to do it like this. If we group these teams together, Shafe, you take Arizona, you say whatever you want. All right. I'll take Cal. 
Arizona State, Parks, you can take, and Reese, you can take Stanford. I think we'll roll this way. If you have anything quick to add with it, because we've been going for a little while, a little longer than we thought we might be. But Wait, what team do I have? Can I? I want Arizona, Arizona State. State. Can I have Arizona State. Okay. You can have Arizona State, Reese. Who do you have? You have Stanford. I right have now, Stanford. Parks. Oh, okay. Stanford. That's fine. All right. Let's start with Arizona. Schaefer, give me your rundown. What do you think about the Wildcats? It's an interesting team down there in Tucson. It is interesting, and and I think. A lot of people, from what I've been listening to, don't think that they can run back uh, five wins this year. And I would probably argue that. Uh, Jaden Delora, I know he's a high stats guy, and people think that's all he really is. But I think he has more talent than than he shows. Uh, he's got to cut the turnovers down. Everybody knows that. Um, but they have Jacob Cowing coming back. He's a stud receiver. Him and Singer would have been an absolute stud duo, but it is what it is. I think he's going to get a ton of looks. Um, and on the defensive side, this is a team that hasn't ranked inside of the top 100 uh, since 2019. They got to improve. They got to show something on that side of the ball. And I think they're trying to to do it by going heavy in the portal. They brought in Justin Flo, like I talked about before. Him and Justin Manu are going to be a nice little linebacker piece in the middle. Um, and at the defensive line, they brought guys in from UCLA, Georgia, Colorado, and I think one more. So they're trying to turn it around. Let's tr- maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. I think I will. They get Washington, Utah, Oregon State, and UCLA at home. I think they could probably find a win in those four. I think they can upset a team. And then there's a, a couple of other uh, guys on their schedule. I think five uh, five wins. I have four and a half is what I've been seeing the books at. So I, I have them I getting the over. Five, maybe four and a half now. But that's it's interesting to look at that team. I think there's a lot to like in Jed Fish, and I think uh, Jaden Delora is one of the more exciting quarterbacks in the conference. Let's go to Cal. Let's talk the Golden Bears a little bit. Plus 8,000 to win the Pac-12, a win total at five, much like a lot of these teams at the bottom of the list. Justin Wilcox decided he's going to change how Cal plays football. He brings in a new offensive coordinator, going to go a little more air raid, a little more air it out. Interesting because they lose uh, Jack Plummer to the portal. He'll go to Louisville. The average offensive rank for this team 68 out of 69 power five teams in the last five years defensively 22nd out of 69 power five teams that is incredibly bad that is that's not where you want to be that's some iowa type of stats that is something where i think where wilcox saw we're going to change this up we're going to try to get back to when we were winning a ton of games at cal and we were uh to be reckoned with um we're going to change it up when golf was there. They were a little more through the air. They were making plays in different spots. Um, but there's too many holes to fill on this offense and a lot to fill on. The defense will be solid again, but there's too many holes to fill. Like I was saying, like there's too much going on. I see them win around four or so games. I, I think it's something to pay attention to and how this develops throughout the next year or two with the new offensive style, kind of trying to mesh the great defense they've been playing with the old school offense that they used to play. That was a little more high flying. So I think four and eights right where you'll see Cal, uh, Parks worth mentioning. Uh, we just talked on them for a while, but uh, this was the only team that lost to Colorado last year. So, yes, we are asking for a lot for them to win yeah, six and games that is this year. Exactly when uh, Wilcox was like, "We have to make a change." So <laughs> yeah. that's how it's not that interesting of a team right now. I think it's going to be way more interesting next offseason and see how he kind of changes with what he's been doing because he made a solid program and they've kind of been on the downside the last couple of years. Arizona State time, I believe Reese is doing the Sun Devils. What do you got, Reese? Because this is a team we got to people got to know about Tempe right now. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the program, they got the three way battle for a quarterback right now. You're not sure who it's going to be. Yeah, they returned their guy from last year, but also bringing in Drew Pine, who had success in Notre Dame. 
and they get another freshman. They just kind of brought in who apparently has been having a pretty good spring. And you mentioned the brand new head coach, Dillingham Cunningham from Oregon. So very offensive minded person with um, a team that has struggled defensively. Um, he's probably going to try to get that offense figured out first. They can come into the season with some hope. It ain't like they're going to probably return to a bowl game, but it, at least having a new head coach, you can have mm-hmm. like, hey, maybe in the next couple of years we can put something together. Um, but the big thing I saw for them this year, that just is a sign they, they're not going to do very well. Week 7 through 11, they have Washington, Washington State, Utah, UCLA, and Oregon. Um, I don't see them winning two of those ball games. I would say it's going to be a rough stretch, especially in the middle yeah. of your season. I mean, they end and then um, ending the year with that Arizona game at home. And if if Arizona is playing well at all and that offense is figured out, that it could be a tough stretch. They could win one of their last uh, six games of the year. So I just don't yeah. see them having a very very good year. Yeah, quickly on the Sun Devils, man. I think this is um, interesting because you have Drew Pine come in. You have uh, Trenton Broughton. You have Jacob Conover transferring back to the state of Arizona after he playing at BYU. And then Jaden Rashada, man, this is a guy, if you remember, had the whole thing with Florida and the NIL. Was he promised it? Was he not? Decides he's going to go to Arizona State. Man, this is going to be an interesting team in the next couple of years. Let's go to Stanford. What am I thinking talk- about Stanford? You had talked about think- – what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, this is the Colorado of last year. That's all I'm going to say. This is, this is yeah. I, I know what Parks is going to say, but I really want to hear him talk about Stanford right now. Come on. I'm thinking Stanford. Uh, I'm thinking they suck because they do. Uh, the only way this team's going to be good within the next five years is if Troy Taylor earns the nickname Troy Transfers because yeah. they have no weapons. They don't have the most favorable schedule. They start the year on the road in Honolulu. Um, they play USC week two. USC could put up 100 points. This team sucks. Mark them off. They're not going to be anywhere near the top of this conference for a while. They'll be lucky to hit three wins. I wouldn't touch the line. Yeah, I have them at a 1-11. and 11. It's hard to build something when you don't bring – you bring one transfer in, like Schaefer said. Other than that, they never, never bring in transfers. Yeah. They – they don't have like everybody left the entire offensive line pretty much left in the portal to other power five programs. Like this is ridiculous. The cupboard was so bare when Taylor got there. He has literally nothing to work with. Now you can't give him the transfer portal. They have to recruit to a school where it's hard to get a kid to go to. They've had under Shaw. They had good years um, in recruiting, but man, it's tough to get him to go there right now. This is the lowest returning production in the power five. Question, when they refer to transfers for transfer portal purposes, I'm not sure on the ruling, but does Stanford get to use the academic ranking of people's first college year? Because that could be helpful. I'm serious. That could be helpful. No, no, no. If they get to use like their freshman year in college through the transfer portal, like if they were a 4-0 student as a freshman at Colorado, do they have, are they more likely to go to Stanford than when they got the 3-7 in high school? So that could be helpful. For both, like, and they play, by the way, they round out the season with Notre Dame. How about a spanking yeah, in the year? This It'll team, be more interesting two, when this team. Two of their wins last year against FBS opponents, they scored 16 and 15 points. Every out of 20. This team, this team's going to be 1 and 11. It's very possible they go 0 and 12, but Hawaii is bad. So I think oh, one you have them losing the Sac State at home? Yeah, that, that's Troy Taylor's team's coming back. Yeah, that's my, they're coming for blood. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Is there revenge in their eyes? Coach left are swarming, and we're going to win this team. Yeah, I I see him losing that game. I'm calling an FCS upset right there. Um, Wow. So that's TikTok camera. Get your TikTok camera out. This is is, um, 
that's it for the Pac-12. That's all the teams. We've covered everybody. We went a little long. Let's roll into predictions, though. I think this is where we have some pieces that we want to talk about. Toughest schedule. Schaefer, bring it up again. Yeah, man. I, I, I kind of received some backlash for it. Does somebody disagree? I've used Because you're wrong. Cal. Cal. Cal has the toughest schedule. All top six within okay. the conference, and they play yeah. Auburn. Okay. They play I, Auburn I, at Washington, at Utah, at Oregon, and at UCLA. That is a tougher and schedule. Than I'm not going to throw a team on out. there that wasn't going to win five games anyway. So, <laughs> well, it's the toughest, not best team. schedule. Uh, yeah. Reese, did you have someone different for toughest schedule than Cal? I got the team I was talking about, Arizona State. Oh, okay. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State. And then I talked about that murderers road and their season. And they also yep. like ending the year with Arizona if they're playing well. It's a team that, again, they're not, they're not going to be very well. And I was not I, I got Arizona State. State on my bingo board for that one. <laughs> Easiest schedule. I have Wazoo. Wazoo misses uh, Utah and USC. I think they have the easier schedule within the conference. Anybody have anything to argue on that? Oregon State. Okay. Or at San Jose State State to start the year, UC Davis, San Diego State. I think that's a very easy easy 3-0 non-conference. They know USC. um, And then Parks touched on it before. Their road games uh, in conference. Washington State. Colorado, Cal, Arizona, and then they have at yeah. Oregon. I my whole thing I with also Wazoo have is that they play State. Colorado State, Northern Colorado. I th- they do draw Wisconsin, which is tough. Um, but you miss two of the big dogs within the conference. I think that's a huge draw for them. Reese, I thought this was just a crapshoot because it fucking everybody plays everybody. But I'm not gonna lie. I thought just looking at it because they're not tested until week seven. We mentioned before, but USC. I think mm, they have a okay. very brutal three. I mean, they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not tested. They're not tested till week seven, and I still find I still only see them losing one game in conference. I think that's fair. I think that's fair that we all had different answers because it's de- it's definitely an interesting conference in the scheduling dynamic at this point because some teams don't play anybody out of conference. Others really. I do not have a different answer. I think Oregon State has the easiest schedule in the conference, which I'll lead us into the next one. I have them as my sleeper team yep. because they have the easiest schedule in the conference. Okay. Anybody else have Oregon State? I wrote down two. I have Oregon State on mine, but I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure we got some variation in here. Does anybody else have Oregon State? I see. I've talked about Oregon State enough. I kind of want to change my pick or like give an option two. If I had to throw an option two, I don't. I probably Wazoo. I, I don't. Wow. I don't really know. Unless what do you have? Yeah, that's a REM sleeper. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I felt like everybody was going to say Oregon State, so I went out there. I said UCLA. If they can figure out their quarterback okay. and their defensive coordinator can make some changes, I think they're a team that could figure it out. Yeah, I have Oregon State, but I wrote down Colorado as well, simply because I have no clue. Can you classify no, Washington as a sleeper? Right? Like, I no. feel if you t- if you no. ask a general college football fan, you walk up and you say, who's going to win the Pac 12? They're going to tell, tell you Utah, okay, well, USC, or Oregon. College football fan, or are we talking to somebody randomly in the public? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Playoff yeah. contender, maybe. Conference if pick, if no. Yeah. Are you no. sure? I, I think you. they would tell you USC, Utah, man, Oregon. I think those are the three teams they're going to name. Washington's the third odds on favorite to win the conference. If, if, if random Joe tells you that, Random Joe ain't watching college random football. Random Joe's wrong. Yeah, random yeah. Joe ain't watching college football. Joe's wrong. It's definitely Let's in Colorado. Talk, <laughs> Let's talk important games of the season. I, th- I have two outlined that I think are a really big deal, and they're, they're going to fall in the same week. Is anybody kind of thinking what I'm thinking here? 
have USC at Oregon. Probably. Yep. The same week Washington plays Utah, both on November 11th. Four of the top teams in the conference all play each other in on November 11th, which I think is a week 11 or 12. This week, is like crunch week 10. time, and they are on the same weekend. Week 10. This is this is it. Like this is the weekend. That's why I picked both these games are on the same weekend. There are four teams that you think might win this conference or play for a conference title, and they're on the same weekend. Those are my two important games of the year. Anybody have anything different? Nope. I was gonna say I have uh, one that could tell you early I, uh, is mm-hmm. Oregon at Washington, just because kind of from what I was talking about before. Yeah. I think the you, I have USC as number one, um, and I think those two are going to be battling it out for number two. I, I said I picked Oregon. Um, so early projection, that would probably be my pick, but I think those two are going to be battling it out for that second spot. So we're going to know early who's kind of in the backseat for when week 10 does come around. Yeah. Reese, any games uh, that we haven't mentioned? Uh, week eight, Utah, USC. Okay. Do you thinking, are you thinking those two teams are going to need that win? Are you seeing a loss early to either one of them? Or are you just think it's going to be a tell? Just, it's just going to be an interesting game. It's, it's the two, yeah. two of the top four teams in the conference. Gotcha. Cool. All right, let's roll on to coach of the year. Um, I think we're going to go coach of the year, player of the year, conference title pick, and then we'll do the hot take last if you guys are okay with that. Let's talk coach of the year. Who do you guys think coach of the year is going to be? Um, Reese, I'll start with you. Lincoln. Okay, Schaefer. Dan Lanning, I think. Even if USC wins, I got Lanning. Yep. Parks. Dan Lanning. I have Lincoln Riley as well. Now – Here's my thoughts. I, I'm not going to blow who I like had like in the winning the title and in the title game, but I think he's going to get a lot more attention than any other co- or every coach in this conference. I really do think that this is going to be just someone who hogs the headlines. Uh, so, did anybody else? Every listener well. out there definitely thought we were talking names of individuals, and you said I'm not going to blow. And I definitely thought you were saying you weren't blowing one of these coaches. It would have worked, but I definitely thought that. I know Shaper did too. I saw the giggle. I don't think I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> but I definitely Player of the year. say that. Player of the year in the conference. Bo Nix. Anybody have, anybody have the non-Heisman winner? If I have – see, here's the deal. I, I have Michael Penix down first, but if I have Oregon making the conference championship, it's going to be Bo Nix. Probably – I mean – it, it could still be Penix, Caleb I guess. Williams. It could still be Penix. They could. Morgan. Uh, I just want to note that uh, Caleb Williams didn't win the Pac-12 last year and still won the Heisman, so he could not make Caleb the Pac-12 Williams. title this year and still be Player of the Year. Shaking your hand, yeah. Jordan. I'm picking Bo Nix. Okay, I have God. Caleb Williams. Yeah, I got Caleb Williams too. That kind of makes sense. You, you, yeah, you now that I get out, off like, that hill, man. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm telling no, one of the best quarterbacks we've seen in the last five years in fair. college football. This guy is unreal. It's it's ridiculous, actually. It's a cheat code. I have Caleb Williams. I I do understand what you're thinking, Shafe, like thinking where the voters are going to go depending on what the team was. Um, And that's become a lot of what the Heisman is and other player of the year and coach of the year rankings anyways. Um, So I do think you're on the right track there. I could see either one. Because if Washington, say Penix breaks out or Oregon has a hell of a year, they go 11-1, I could see Bo Nix as well. Um, I don't think that's a crazy thought. Conference title time, baby. Who do we have in the conference title? Tell me your champion. Let's start with Parks. Tell me the two. Tell me your champion. I have USC and Oregon. 
and I have USC winning the Pac-12 and making the playoff. Favorable schedule, I said it earlier. So you have on. them with one loss or zero losses? I have USC. I think zero losses is entirely in the table. It's very tough because they have that game with Utah, and Utah's Utah. But Utah, yep. it's another year. So I think you, I think the higher percentage chance is going to be USC at 12-0. Schaefer. Uh Parks kind of stole my thunder, but I, I love it. I have USC versus Oregon. Um, I think, man, I don't know. I think Lincoln Riley will find a way. yourself? What's that? No, you asked, you asked before, because I have USC in the playoff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you asked Parks, do you have USC losing? Yep, and I was, looking at the, I was looking at the schedule. I think Lincoln Riley will find a way to lose one one game that year by giving up too many points or something. Um, but I still think they're gonna. I think they'll find their way into into the playoff. Um, if it's Notre Dame or Oregon, who they lose to on the road, mm-hmm. you can argue for that. Um, but then, yeah, I think let's Oregon, not forget like the Utah. What's that? Let's not forget these teams meet November 11th in Eugene. So yeah, it's it's going to be a great game, and mm-hmm. I think Oregon is the Utah of last year. I think they're going to be a very physical team on defense. Dan Lanning is a defensive guy. I think they're going to rely on the run game. Uh, and then Cam Rising and Bo Nix are kind of similar in the sense they're not overly talented, but they have experience and great leadership. So that's that's my prediction. Reese. I thought you guys were all going to be way higher on Washington. I thought I was going to be the one to pick Oregon, but I got USC and Oregon too, and I got Jeez. USC. Hell yeah. I got USC winning at 48-42. Shootout. That is so Pac-12, though. Yep. I like it. Washington versus USC in my conference title. I have Washington winning the conference title this year. Again, wow. Think, Ride that damn train. Find a week on this team other than a, a weak defensive backfield that was hurt most of the year last year. I can't buy into a Lincoln-Riley program that hasn't played defense yet. I don't see Oregon taking that big of a step forward. I think they're going to be the same team again. I, I'm, again, I'm not saying these teams are going to be bad. I think Washington is – not it's their third odds on favorite to win the conference in my book. They are the most well-rounded team in the conference. Um, I don't think it's that crazy to think that they're going to be as talented as I think, at least I think they're, they could sit 11 and one rolling into that last year. I could see them 10 and two and still winning the conference title, man. Here's, here's what's going to happen. Um, and this is the same thing with the pac 12 every year. <laughs> They'll all beat each other. And somehow Utah yep. will find its way to win it for the third year in a row. We're all going to look stupid, and they're going to play in a pointless Rose Bowl again. Yeah, we're going to have to – everybody needs to keep these notes from these episodes. We can go back <laughs> after the season and look at all these predictions. Uh, does anybody have anything to add for a conference title prediction? I, you guys all have the same game. I think – I just – I thought I was going to be the outlier. U.S. – it's, it's Washington's crazy, right? Five teams that could be in this game. Washington, I think Washington's a crazy pick, J.P. I mean, if Michael Penix goes down, they'd have nothing. Here's what what I'm going to ask, and I think we should bring this up because we talked about it the other night, and I want to bring it up because we said in the group chat that maybe Reese had said something that there's a lot of good teams. Jordan doesn't see that there's a playoff contender in this this group chat, basically is what it was. Um, He listed off uh, a bunch of elite-level, quote-unquote elite-level teams that were from the other conferences that are playoff contenders. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't have any Pac-12 teams in there. I personally, I think that – I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think you have three playoff contending teams in in this conference this year. Playoff contenders or 
like teams that you look at and you're like, that's a USC, that's or that's a Ohio State, that's a Michigan level, that's an Alabama, a Georgia. This like, is this is the that's year what I'm seeing is like you have to beat these teams. I I get I get that, and I think this is the year um, for the Pac-12 to to give it a chance because I think it is so wide open, and and maybe we can mm-hmm. save that conversation for another day on overall the overall talent of college football. Um, but you said the other yeah, night, I think it's going to be an up year. I'm you said that. you said elite, and I don't. I think yeah, elite, elite is a strong word. I put I put maybe three teams in the elite category every single year, um, and I think there's only one team in it right now. And it's the by back default, team. you got to have four. What did you say? By default, you think you got to have four. Or Do five. you know? Depending on the year, I, th- I, th- I think depending on the year, yeah, you got to have four. I don't know how many I think times some teams would argue that like, TCU wasn't elite, elite last year. Okay, that's why I'm saying. Yeah, morons would argue that. But yeah, I don't, you get I you get what I'm saying. I think elite's a I strong word. I just think they were. I think Tennessee was elite for most of the year. I, I really do. Until you lose Hendon Hooker, I think that was an elite football team where they like. Okay, so, so sorry. Fair. Let's not get off track. Let's get back to. We're going to go for. Let's get back to my question. Football. My question is: Doesn't matter which team. We probably have all three of the same teams. Oregon, Washington, or USC, does one of these teams win a college football playoff game or at least give us something? Give nope. Them. No. Not even close? No. I, I think no. Nope. if they get in, it'll be close. I don't I think they're going to get the very first season. They're going to go play Georgia. Okay, so that's I what think, I'm saying. Spoiler for the SEC, dude. Anybody. If neither of these teams run into a, a Georgia, I think if they run into a Big Ten team – who knows? Maybe maybe a Big Twelve team. I don't see why USC couldn't. Ohio, be. Ohio State would still throttle them. You Ooh, think Ohio no, State? No, Ohio, oh. you're putting a guys. Weird. Ohio State. Ohio State. Really I'm saying Ohio State or Michigan, whichever team in the Big Ten gets in there, would handle. You're thinking the they're throttling USC. Yeah. Oh man, I gotta see what happens. Okay. I gotta see these teams. Play I don't remember I, when I became I Pac-12 like, lover, Jake. But what am I you, doing? Buddy. Here? You are. No, Apparently, that's me this year. Saying. I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying I don't think there's talent within the conference. I just, when I was looking at it the other night, I just didn't, as much as I think there is talent with Washington and Oregon and USC, I didn't see elite. I saw really damn good. Here's I didn't a, see elite. Here's like, another again, team. What if, lane. what if USC runs into Clemson or Florida State? In the playoff. I don't know because I don't know what – I don't know Clemson this year. They got a whole new thing going on. Over That's there, what like I'm saying. You Well, that, those are two teams see. you had in your, in your elite, see. you know, I've, group. I've got to see – I've got to see Clemson with Club Nick and Riley. I've got to see uh, Ohio State and a new quarterback they're breaking in there. I've got to see Georgia and a new quarterback they're breaking in there. I'm not saying they're not going to be talented. I've got to see these teams before I say anything. But right now, I don't think there's an elite-level team. Let's go to our hot takes. Reese, I want to start with you. You said, I don't know if it's a hot take. I think it might lead into the conversation we were just having. Give me your hot take. Because you guys already talked about it. I really thought everybody's going to be way higher on Washington. I said Washington's not going to be very good this year. I think they're going to be 8-4. That's what that's what my hot take was going to be. But Dude, everybody's what's talk, not everybody's very good, Reese? Specify. I didn't fucking know eight that everybody's going to be said. on it already. They're losing four eight games? Four. That's what he yeah, said. they're going to be 8-4. and four. Ooh. Gonna be 8-4. Ooh. Somebody bookmarked that. Ooh. I don't think that's great. I like yeah. that. Uh, good, Brees. Parks? JP's up here. I'm down here. Man, we even each other out, brother. Or what? Parks. I want what do you say? Uh, <laughs> so we even each other out, man. What do you say? <laughs> yeah, well, I thought I heard something different. Um, hot take for the Pac-12. USC is going to be more dominant 
than people realize. I think they roll through the entire conference. Okay. That's, I think that's very I would have wanted some more support from you when I said, can USC beat a playoff team? <laughs> well, they can't. I said they're going to dominate in this conference. No. <laughs> Fight your own battles, Jacob. All right. I My do. I think they're going to be dominant in this conference. Oh, and I guess Wazoo getting to eight wins would be uh, a hot take as well. Oh, man. I, I'm going to love this. Well, this is actually going to be really hot. I had a kind of a boring one. Now I'm actually going to go hot. Um, Colorado is going to go 1 and 11 back to back years. That's not even hot. That's, that's hot. ice cold. That's so good. That's, that's true. That's the, the, guys, <laughs> I would say, I don't know. I feel People like there's got to be a win streak. This. I feel like Colorado State's got to be has. I'm going to look this up quick. I feel like in the rivalry they've you're telling lost. me they're not going to beat Colorado State and Stanford. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Colorado okay. State gets back. Troy Taylor's going to hit that ass. Gets hurt, man. Let me look up the uh, the history between these two and see if there's a losing streak going on. Yeah, nice shape. I don't think so. Nice. Um, I just I'll, okay. I'll do mine. To be honest. What, I was just say my other one was Oregon State wins back back ten, but I didn't want it. That's eh, it's kind of lame. So I do think Colorado State will go one and eleven again. Nice. All right. My hot take. I don't know if I call this a hot take. I just think it's an interesting point. Um, I think this is going to be the most exciting regular season in the Power Five. I think this is going to be the most mm. exciting conference. I think week to week. I you're agree with that. Be, you're going to be locked into more games than you expect yourself in the Pac-12 world. I think there's just every week, man, even if a team is traveling to Reese State and play Oregon State in week seven, I think if Utah's up there or Oregon's up there or whoever, I think you're going to want to see that football game. And even if Wazoo, let's say Wazoo brings in, um, let me just check out their schedule real quick. I, I think it's just interesting to see how many interesting games there's going to be. Like when UCLA or Oregon travel to Wazoo, or when Washington does for the Apple Cup, I think people are going to realize how special this conference is this year. I think there's a lot of talent. I think you're going to want to watch these mid-level teams just as much as the high-level teams, at least in my per- point of view. I think you I should you enjoy it similar. because you're not yeah. going to have this next year. So enjoy yeah, it while I'm you sorry. can, Pac-12. It was fun supporting you for a year. Yeah. Uh, you can throw this under a hot take thing too. Next year, um, you're going to have phone calls from Oregon and Washington and all these schools that just went out. They went out. They haven't announced their TV deal yet. Yeah. If you have ridiculous. a TV deal, why are you hiding it? You're not getting out. You're not. Here, here's what, here's what I'm going to say, Jordan. More than the US. Like, here's what, here's my thoughts on the TV deal and why they haven't announced it yet. Um, and I do think it was actually a good PR move by them. A lot of people bashed them and thought it was poor, but everybody knows. And I think it's clear as day that teams either number one, entering or leaving this conference example, San Diego state and or leaving uh, Colorado, Mm -hmm. they're waiting for the TV deal. If you release that thing, you got to see the numbers. If you release that thing before the say, I mean, last week at the last minute, if Mm -hmm. you release that thing before media days, number one, that's all anybody's going to be talking about because we know it's not going to be a good deal. It's going to be with Apple or some, some garbage. You're going to end up with number two, because that's in the Pacific Northwest. Everyone's going to have all these questions about, Who's leaving now, or who are they getting? You, you know. Yeah. So I think last, I think they did a smart thing. They said we just want to talk about football. Normally, I want to laugh and say, you know, that's that's so dumb. They should have this done by now. I do think they should talk about football because they have good products that are going to be on the field yeah. this year, and they save themselves some trouble for at least another week. 
yeah, this is it's it's an interesting conference, and I think there's a lot that's going to happen the next year or two with them. Um, any last thoughts on the Pac-12? Our preview. Anybody have any thoughts on anything they want to touch on before we start to head out? Colorado uh, has a five-game win streak in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. That will end this year. You can add that on to my hot take. Go Rams. Colorado State's going to get better and better. I do think they made a great hire in Norvell. Um, Reese, Schaefer, or Reese Parks, anything you want to add to the end of this? See you in Boulder week two. Nope. I'll be there, Dion, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, look, I just, again, want to touch on, we go watch the ACC, uh, preview or listen to that. Um, it's evergreen. You can listen to it whenever you want, whether we get to August and we're getting really close to football starting, go back and listen to that. Follow us on all the socials. We have TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all over the place. Please follow us on those. We're throwing out content all the time on those. Shaver's been doing a great job with that. Uh, shout out to Parks for editing all this for us. He's done an awesome job adding in the fight songs. Again, Reese, your idea of the fight song. We haven't had anybody guess one yet. We're going to need yeah, someone guys, to Guys, Jesus, up, it's a fun idea. Just try to guess one time. Come on, people. Yeah. Hey, it's been fun. We've rolled a long time on this conference, but I think it is well worth the time that we put into it. Um, it's going to be a great season for this conference, and I think it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. So whether you're a casual, a diehard, or whatnot, pay attention to the Pac-12 this year. Do they get a playoff team? You have to find out, but you got some interesting storylines in this place. Hey, uh, Parks, stay this way, man. Say hi to your mom for me. <laughs> <laughs>